0: Nevada, as promised, BK here. How's everybody doing? Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at BKActual. It is the rare midweek podcast because I'm here, uh, like I told you guys last Friday, I'm here in Las Vegas at the uh, SHOT Show, a huge, I think it's the country's biggest uh, outdoor shooting tactical show. And uh, not only am I here, but I came out here uh, to meet a bunch of people and I was very fortunate to finally meet my old Twitter buddy, my man, former... United States Navy SEAL, former uh, CIA employee, and we're going to get into all that. My man Frumentarius came in. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm happy to be here, man. And that was... Some good Allison Chains music <laughs> kicked it off with.
0: I mean, honestly, if you if, if you if I ever met a guy who was like, I don't like Allison Chains, I'd like be like, I, I don't even want to be your friend, you know. Right. So what, I figure those good good uh, good music for you.
1: And was that I? Uh, it's hazy a little bit from last night, but was that you that was talking about the 90s being the last great musical decade? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that was that does sound like something I would say. Yeah, in both hip hop and rock and roll, I'm gonna argue both of those 90s. That was it.
1: It's a legitimate argument.
0: Yeah, so um, how are you enjoying the SHOT Show so far? You were walking around a little bit today.
1: It was good. You know, that was my first time, and... Uh... It was overwhelming in many ways. It's massive, isn't There's it? Millions of people there.
0: It's 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 insane. There's like tactical gear everywhere as far as you can Tacti-beard see. Tactical beard
1: and, <laughs> and uh, lots of pants with pockets. In That's
0: it. right. You're but you're rocking the boots. You know <laughs> you got the jeans on. It's a it's a good look. I like uh, it. I'm not tactical. <laughs> so why don't we start through uh, with. Um, just kind of like every time I have a guest on, we kind of just go through a little backstory. So why don't we start with like, you know, where you grew up, you know, what it was like and why did you want to join the military and take it from there. I'll just hop in as needed.
1: All right. Well, I, I am a military brat. So I grew up in uh, mostly the panhandle of Florida. We call it lower Alabama or the redneck Riviera. Yes. Uh, that's where we settled. Um, so Pensacola, Panama city, things like that. And, uh, Dad was a seal, and uh, Dad's cousin was a seal. My uncle was a seal, so I sort of gravitated that way.
0: That's inc- that's that's incredible.
1: Yeah. Then I so I kind of knew I wanted to do it, and uh, went up to college and did ROTC, and then made my way into BUDS.
0: And where'd you go to college? Georgetown, Georgetown University. That's right. The classic Jesuit education. Former
1: basketball powerhouse Georgetown.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so when you went, so with all these family members being former SEALs, you know, did you like feel pressure? Did you feel? Did you feel like you wanted to do it because of that, or did you want to do it anyway?
1: No, my uh, my dad never pressured me. He never once asked me if I wanted to do it. It was always my own initiative. So I, I don't I don't know if that was a conscious decision on his part, but he never.
0: Was yeah, he like a career, uh, career guy? Yeah, he retired at 30 years. Wow. Yep. And your uh, uncle, you said as well.
1: Yep, career also.
0: Wow, that's a that's a lot of big shoes to fill. So when you first, uh, when you were first going through the process and starting off, buds, did they kind of know who you were and know the name and everything? Did that come up?
1: You know, that's that is a constant problem for guys going through buds. I was lucky because my dad's a little was a little older than the instructors. The my uncle was a little older than the instructors, and there was another guy in my class that was had a brother that was a colleague of the instructors. So they rode that guy mercilessly. He <laughs> took all the heat that I probably would have taken, being a legacy. So it didn't. It was not a big issue. Thankfully.
0: And, and did they have? Uh, and you, as going through an officer, you know, as, as I've talked about a few times, and I'm sure it's the same with you. I know, in in, in many special operations pipelines you know the officers get it the worst and they're expected to like be the hardest dudes out there and stuff like that you know did did you experience something like that where they were really like picked on you guys just to make sure you had what it took
1: yeah you there's no uh there's no cushion for uh like subpar performance as an officer you can kind of get away with being a gray man as a enlisted guy because you don't have to lead or be uh, in charge of a boat crew or um you know organize the class and have them on to have them there on time whatever evolution you're doing but as an officer you all those things fall to you so anything that gets messed up kind of rolls on to you but also we had a, probably i want to say 10 officers in my class oh wow so it kind of diffused the diffused the responsibility so it wasn't that bad
0: and how was how was the uh selection process for you in general did you have like any like great challenges you know people are always asking me and us and, and seals that i know they're like you know What was real, what was the hardest thing for you, you know, and how did you kind of get up and over it?
1: I, uh, I, the cold sucked. It sucks for everybody. It wasn't my worst thing. I didn't think it was as terrible as some guys think it is. I was not a fast swimmer. Still, I'm not a fast swimmer. Mm -hmm. So I always, I never failed to swim, but I had to put out at top caliber every single time I swam. Uh, so that kind of sucked. I almost failed drown proofing, uh, than first phase which would be a ridiculous thing to fail out of seal training for it's where they tie you up and you uh, bob up and down you do somersaults in the water and sweat, oh yeah you know? and it's not that hard but i had a sinus infection going through so i would i couldn't breathe out of my nose when it, and i had you had to come up from the bottom with a mask in your mouth yep when you have a mask in your mouth you can't breathe out of your nose it kind of makes it hard to breathe at all. Yeah,
0: we we did we do the same exact thing, and, and normally it's kind of considered, that's like the one time when we were in the water where the instructors weren't fucking with you. So it is supposed to be a more relaxing evolution, but we did have a couple guys who just, once they got their hands and, and ankles bound, they mentally just kind of flipped out. And it's, it's as long as you relax, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but uh, some guys just got worked up and couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I never freaked out. I just would drop the mask. I would get to the very, we had three tries to do it, and it took me all three tries. uh, (laughs) So the first two times I got to the end, and the mask would come out of my mouth because I was trying to breathe. And they'd be like, no, you fail.
0: I'm like, God damn it. Oh, that sucks. So the third time,
1: I was like, "I'm just gonna drown, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pass."
0: Did you go now? Did you make it straight through? Did you have to roll back? Or did you have to repeat any phases? Anything like that?
1: God, no! Thank God. There was ten of us that made it straight through in my class, and it was eight officers and two enlisted guys. And
0: no kidding! Wow. I was very happy to be,
1: and the and one of those two enlisted guys actually was his third time through BUDS, and he had been through Hell Week twice. Got pneumonia both both times before. And made it all the way straight through on in our class.
0: Yeah, that's. uh, I mean, you can't. You just can't. You can't give up. I've I've seen guys. You know. Yeah. Sometimes two, three times they go through it. Did Did you? What kind of preparation did you do before buds began? Like physical, mental. What what kind of stuff did you do?
1: Um, The mentally, I I felt good mentally because I, when you come from a SEAL family, that a lot of the mystique is gone. Because you're like, it's, hell, it's my dad. He did it. What? That guy's a kind of, you know. Right. <laughs> if my, if that guy can do it, I can do it. Uh, so the, a lot of the mental stuff was not a big problem. It was the physical preparation. So I did about four years in college worth of prepping um, and just kind of ramped it up in the last maybe 10 months. I had a program. Actually, there's an old book, you know, one of the first seal books like this by this guy named Stu Smith.
0: Stu Smith, yeah.
1: Right, that wrote a Prep for Buds book. And uh, I followed that program pretty pretty good and uh and did a basically just a a a workup physical workup to bud so based on the date I was gonna start kind of ramped up my mileage and running and swimming and and uh just got as ready as I could ran did a lot of soft sand runs in Florida uh, to prep for soft sand runs in California which the sand in Florida is a little softer is it it was actually harder there which was good
0: now you guys are doing those are the boots and Utes runs right yep and what was the, would you, isn't like one or two, aren't some of them like timed, like they're go, no go?
1: Yeah. The conditioning runs are going to be always be in the soft sand and your boots and pants and, and the, so there's conditioning runs and then there's time runs. The time runs are also in boots and pants, but on the hard pack. Okay. So the conditioning runs you had to just suffer through and not be in the goon squad. You know, the, the last, you know, if the, there's a pack, imagine like a pack of horses running and. That slowly over time, that pack spreads out. Well, there's always a big break. But yep. The backside of that break is is not where you want to be at all. <laughs> That's the goon squad where they at the end of the run they'll then punish you. And uh, I never was in the goon squad, and I always pass my runs. And I, just from pure soft sand training.
0: And no uh, no injuries or anything like that hit you. You got straight shot.
1: No, I was I was probably God. I was probably 150 pounds going through buds because I dropped a bunch of weight and that i didn't have to the guys that have trouble have trouble with uh we get these stocky guys and they're running with 200 pounds well physics those their bones and their uh and the insides of their thighs that rub together yep. would get infected and their bones would get stress fractures i didn't have that because i was skinny so running i didn't get any leg injuries like that it never fell off any obstacles and i, I mean it's lucky
0: So when you finally, okay, so you made it through buds and you go on to all your phases and you, and you made it through everything straight shot. So what was that like to finally graduate at the end of all that crap?
1: Oh, it was amazing. It's like, yeah, it's in the top five. (laughs) Greatest feelings that I've ever experienced, like birth of a child, you know, getting married, whatever. That's definitely in the top five, just to be done with it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a great feeling. So what happened once in your graduation, like where, you know, where, what kind of assignment did you get? Like what happened then you go to a team?
1: yeah you put in a preference for uh, east or west coast and they're pretty good about honoring the the coast preference they don't honor a team preference at all you don't even really get a team preference and I put East Coast because my family's on the east coast and uh, I got that I got that uh, assignment and headed straight out to seal teammate
0: and uh what and how was it like what how long did you? How long were you there, but did you deploy with them at all? And when you did, like how long did you guys do some spin-up training and how many, like what kind of deployments did you do?
1: So at the time, and I don't know if, if it's the same now, it was a, it was like a two-year cycle. So you would show up at a platoon, join up, you know, form up that platoon, uh, that team. That that platoon would know it was deploying, say, in October of whatever year. So that year and a half before that, you would work up. You'd do your land warfare, your dive training, your uh, – um, uh, jumping, you basically all the stuff you were expected to do, and then you would deploy for six months. So that was a two year, and then you get back and start it all over, form up another platoon. So yeah, I did. Uh, I worked up a, with a platoon at teammate.
0: What kind of uh, and what where what kind of deployments did you do? Did you go Middle East? Did you go uh, other places?
1: No, at the time we were a, a, a UCOM platoon, so we went to we deployed to Germany. Right after, like a month after 9 11. Like, <laughs> we're like, what is happening here? We're, we're going to sit in Germany for this whole war. And at the time, it's hard to understand now, but at the time, everyone thought, I don't know if you remember this or not, but everyone thought, oh, this will, this Afghanistan thing will be over. It's real be quick. over in, uh, right. in a couple months. Right. Tops. We're going to miss the boat here. We're going to be sitting in Germany. It's going to suck.
0: Yeah. I remember when I, when I got out in 09, guys were hitting me up saying, should I even bother enlisting? Because I feel like I missed everything. And I was like in 09. Yeah. I'm like, uh, no, I don't think you need to worry. <laughs> we're still still going strong yeah
1: that was uh, a that was an acute feeling in like two thousand three time frame because Iraq hadn't really kicked off Afghanistan was it wasn't winding down at the time, but it didn't feel like it was going to go for ten years you know? were,
0: did you did you know seals that were uh, kind of um, involved in early Afghanistan to yeah, to, to right. kind of share stories and all that about with you guys?
1: Yeah, my sister platoon. We were we were extremely jealous. So we were we sat in Germany. My sister platoon, um, SEAL Team Eight Echo platoon, ended up going in and seizing, uh, or not seizing, but being a part of the seizure of uh, Kandahar Airfield when they first set it up. And uh, that uh, actually that platoon, the the core of that platoon. So a platoon will kind of you'll get rid of a couple guys every deployment. So like some guys will promote or they'll go to another team, but the core stays together. There's so maybe eight guys out of right. sixteen, and that that. Platoon ended up being the platoon that was on the QRF for the Marcus Luttrell operation in uh, Afghanistan some years later. So it was a uh, sad in that way, but the, yeah, that was we were very jealous at the time.
0: Well, you you got your uh, I'm so I'm sure you got your chance eventually with uh, between Iraq and Afghanistan to go to one of those places. What was that like for you? Where where'd you end up going?
1: I went to both of those places with uh, the CIA, though. Both of those uh, was later on after I switched over.
0: Yeah. What happened? Let's, uh, let me talk, let's talk about that a little bit. I'm, I'm fascinated with this. So what ha- how did you go basically from the Navy to the agency and uh, kind of how, how'd that happen?
1: So my, I, uh, my undergraduate degree was international politics and security studies, which is basically CIA 101, basically, you know, learning about international affairs and how states interact. And I was like, man, this, we're not getting sent to Afghanistan here in this U. I think a good shot would be if I go over to the CIA. So I just put in to go applied to for a job over there and switched right over.
0: Did you apply online or did yeah, you like kind of have my, an in or were you just like Joe Schmo from the street applying online?
1: <laughs> You're not, you, you have that leg up when you come straight out of any special operations community. Sure. They, they'll look, they'll generally, that will almost guarantee you, your resume will get pulled. Right. And, um, and mine was, I just applied online on the website.
0: And what was, the, what was that like, the hiring process? Like what kind of interviews and, and all that? How'd that, that
1: go? Well, that is a very extensive hiring process. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bet.
1: You, you get, uh, phone, let's see, you get phone calls. It starts with phone calls, multiple phone calls. Um, and then it goes into um, a series of interviews, three or four. Well, no, informational sessions, then interviews. And if you make it through all that, then it's polygraphs. Um, and then it's uh, about, I don't know, anywhere from eight months
0: were you sketched out by the polygraph at all or were you kind of clean clean uh, and clean I living i was a
1: little nervous because a lot of seals had, had at that time um i don't i don't know what the numbers are but i wouldn't be surprised if it was like 50 percent of seals that had tried to go over failed those polygraphs uh,
0: i've heard a i've heard a lot of failure stories yeah
1: those are legendary in the agency the failures of polygraph stories but i I'm Catholic, and I'm used to confession, so I went in there. And I was you like, feel guilty all the time, right, no matter what. So your
0: heart rate was probably just like 100 beats a minute anyway. That's
1: exactly what it was. And she told me, my polygrapher was a female. She's like, listen, you just tell me all these things before we get started. You know, I don't know if you know how they work, but... You,
0: no, please explain, like, how to people They give you all the
1: questions ahead of time. They say, here's exactly what I'm going to ask you, and they'll go through it, and they say, you know, say it's 10 questions. They'll say, okay, here's
0: question one. Now, like the day of they give it to you, or like they email you the question, say, hey, when you come here tomorrow, you're going to be asked these, or is it like, hey, in five minutes from now, these are the questions I'm going to ask?
1: That's what it's like. You show up. Okay. You don't know anything beforehand. You sit in the chair, um, and I think it's before they even hook you up to the monitors or whatever it is, that she says... Uh, I'm gonna ask you these questions, and she goes one by one. Says, "Okay, here's the first one. Say it's like, have you ever stolen something?" Maybe, right. I don't remember if that was the exact question, but I mean, <clears throat> you say, and then she says, "Tell me whatever comes to your mind." And when I ask you that, right? So you you talk it out with her. You're like, well, you know, God, you know, I did take home some riggers tape from the team one time and then like <laughs> that petty geez yeah, yeah maybe like some 550 chord and she's like okay and she writes that down and then she's like anything else so she kind of preps you by get, saying get it all out right you know, which i did and so then when you actually do it you've done all the admitting of all your things that are wrong and theoretically then you show this flat you know unperturbed heart rate which i did dude i would
0: be like <laughs> but, i would be sweating i'd have sweat like streaming down my face the whole time
1: I tell you what, it gets confrontational in there. There are dudes that I've heard kind of straight up arguments, and they're like, "What do you mean by that question?" Like they're <laughs> fighting with the polygrapher, and that just all goes downhill. Then, so that you can fail, they'll bring you back. You can fail again. I think you can fail two times, or maybe three.
0: I've heard. I, so, from what I heard, and I have no experience with the agency polygraph or anything, but I have heard people say, like, "Dude, you're better. You're, the best bet is to just tell the truth, and then let the chips fall where they may." Like, if you had shady stuff in your background, it's better to just come out and say it, and, like, that way they think, okay, well, at least he's, like, this is a trust. He's telling us stuff. You know, he's not trying to hide it from us.
1: Right, and they have things that they're looking for that, that you know, you you probably don't even realize. Like, foreign contacts is a big one for them, obviously, for obvious reasons, and I didn't have a bunch. But if you, say, you grew up and traveled and lived in Russia as a kid. Right. As a young adult, like, in school or something. If you were at all or kind of, fuzzy on those yeah that that's the stuff where they're gonna be like hmm you know this is a little bit this doesn't seem right and i didn't have anything like that so they were, i think that made mine easier and then but if i did you're right you just gotta lay it all out there and be like here i know this guy sergey we've been friends for 10 years you know
0: but in the world we live in now it must be so difficult especially like as you and i both noted i talked about this last week on the podcast that. Chinese espionage case where they think this guy might have been diming out the whole agency's ring in China But it's like dude, you're gonna need these people of these backgrounds To if you want agents who know the country, but it's a double-edged sword, you know at this on the same time Yeah, he's gonna be an asset but at the same time you don't know who he knows and who these people are
1: That is a yes That is a constant problem with them and That's why they have to be kind of aggressive on their polygraphs because they do want those people and uh, you can't say like oh this guy that has a lot of Chinese context, we're not going to use this guy because that's the perfect guy. That's who you need, right? right. Yeah. right. And, but you got to stay on top of him and uh, just hope that he's plays out as a quote unquote good guy.
0: So <laughs> I mean, yeah, they must have such a robust counter intel operation just going twenty four seven just to keep up with all this stuff.
1: Yeah, they do, and uh, there are. It's the CIC is the Counterintelligence Center. Um, let's see. How okay, can I phrase this? They have people in every shop in the agency. So, if you have a, um, you know, say you have an office that focuses on Chinese issues, and an office that focuses on Venezuelan issues, and an office that focuses on Korean issues, they have counterintelligence people in all of those shops that are just watching that that kind of stuff.
0: So what uh so once you were finally, you know, accepted and you got the call and they're like you're in, what was the next step? Now are, are you be and what was your t- were you were were they hiring you as a case officer or as an analyst or what was your the position that you were being hired for?
1: At the, at the time I applied for so I was going to go to grad school. That's right. my backup plan and uh I put in a I put in an application to the Do. It's, at the time, it was called the Do, Director of Operations. Now I think it went to the NCS, uh, National Clandestine Service. Maybe it's the Do again now. I think. I
0: right, know. right. National Clandestine Service. Last I checked, is what it was.
1: Yeah. So I I put in an application there, as an afterthought. But I, my primary application was thinking, oh, I'm not. I'm just gonna go to grad school, and I probably won't get picked up as a case officer or anything at this point. It, you know, with a few years in the military. So that when I got the call, I, I assumed it was for the grad school. That, so the grad school thing is like a internship, essentially. You go to grad school and then you just come into the agency and work in the headquarters and do kind of like page type work. So I, was, I that's how I approached the initial phone call. It's right. Like, oh yeah. Hey, sounds good. You know that. What is this going to entail? And the guy's like, he, you're going to be in the CIA? I was like, yeah, I know, but what do I be doing there? You know, I was just yeah, like, right. like, I don't know what you guys want what is, from me. What
0: am and I going to be, what, what would you say I do here? And the guy's like, I'm calling, he finally,
1: I could tell he was getting flustered. He's like, I'm calling you from the national, or the DO, the director of reparations, to offer you a job, to get, start you in this process. Like, oh, you're not the, <laughs> this isn't the grad school. He's like, no, this is the, so I was being brought in at, at, for the, um, uh, what was the name of the program? Called uh, the clandestine service trainee CST. Okay. So they bring in everybody as uh, everybody that's going to be in the director of operations as a core collector is what they call it. Um, they bring in through like a pipeline, one sp- certain pipeline. Which now is, this
0: this isn't this isn't the uh, is this the this isn't the paramilitary. No, gig? this is
1: not the paramilitary. This is the for the traditional case officer. Okay. Um, staff operations officer and collection management officer. So you kind of you go you start in the pipeline and then you choose your track, one of those, but you know, even then it's, you're a core collector. So you basically do the work of a case officer or one of those other jobs.
0: And what was the, uh, and so how did that pipeline begin? Like what was the first step? They send you the, the farm or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, They,
1: well, they bring you to the, they bring you in and the hiring process is long and then, um,
0: How long did it take?
1: It was about a year, I want to say okay, uh, from start to finish. And then they, you go through field training, um, field trade craft training and that part of that entails the farm.
0: Was it like that movie recruit, the recruit exact, with Colin Farrell? Exactly Cause I want it like to that. be like <laughs> the recruit with Colin Farrell. All right, they they
1: <laughs> grab you and put you in a box and they torture you. And so. no, it was, it was nothing like that. It's a, it's a, it's a long process. And part of it's the farm, part of it's in the Northern Virginia area. And then, it involves like surveillance detection training. And
0: so you must have been going through the farm with like all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Yeah, that's true. I mean, true. that must have been like a unique, th- after, especially after going through, you know, SEAL training where it's all dudes. Right. I'm assuming, you know, you probably had women in your farm class and all that. It's probably yeah, a whole new s- thing. I
1: want to say it was about 50-50, men and women. Okay. And then at the time, post 9-11, it was, um, it was a lot of prior military guys. So I think I, 40% of our class was former military. And then... There was, like, guys from Secret Service and FBI that had come over.
0: And And how long was that, the initial part, anyway, the farm part?
1: Um, The farm is a part of it, so all told, I want to say a year. Really? Training, yeah. Okay,
0: Okay. and then at the end of the year, what happens? At the end of the year, they're like, okay, you're all fucking good to go. It's time to go work. Yeah, you get us.
1: it's like you graduating buds. You get assigned to a division. So Mm -hmm. you get your – I think you get to put down, like, three or four – um preferences of so you know there's the near east division that focuses on the middle east and there's the european division obviously it focuses on europe uh, latin america all those kind of areas and you get to put or there's what are called centers so counter-narcotics counter proliferation counter-terrorism
0: what did you put it what Uh, was your preference my first choice was ctc
1: counter-terrorism and that's what i got which is i think like 30 percent or Maybe even as high as fifty percent of our class went to CTC because at the time it was That's it was booming, building it up, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. They were trying to add a bunch of people to it, which was great for me. There were people that were really not happy to get that job, <laughs> and they were like, "I wanted to." I got hired here thinking I was going to be like at the diplomatic circuit, you know. Yeah, I wanted to Moscow. go to the cocktail parties
0: and the swank. Yeah, instead, I'm going to like the tenth in Iraq.
1: That's exactly what some people. How their uh, view of it was
0: so what what and and how about you so where were they where'd they first send you where was your first assignment?
1: uh so I, was, so I got into ctc and then was in i was at headquarters for a year after that straight after that just to do uh learn my account and stuff the area i was focused on
0: so living in the dc area i did all that
1: yep i lived in dc in a 555 square foot basement apartment on a i took a thirty thousand dollar pay cut to go from being a seal officer to a junior uh, like gs9 or something at the agency and barely could afford my apartment
0: i know it's ridiculous the tiny people don't know the struggle the the tiny apartment struggle Mm -hmm. uh so okay so you did the ctc and then so you have to sit there and kind of do what uh, ojt sort of at headquarters and then they kind of send you out or
1: yeah some some people go out straight away it just depends on uh where you get sent and what the needs are, but yeah, I, I sat on the desk and learned the account and uh, learned how to do my job, and then uh, it got kind of got in the pipeline to go to on a tour, basically. Where
0: and where'd you? Where was your first one?
1: No, I was in a base in eastern Afghanistan. Oh, okay, that was my first overseas assignment.
0: That must have been uh, that must have been fun, interesting. That
1: was great. That was a fantastic year.
0: Is that how long you were assigned there for?
1: Yep, that was the that was at the time the about the. There was it went through some iterations of how they deployed uh, CIA officers to Afghanistan. Early in the war, I think it was um, like six months here, and then you come back, and then six months back. And but one, by the time I deployed, it was a year there with some RNRs. So you you would get to, you'd be there for like three months, come home for a couple weeks, go back for three months, come home. But it was a PCS assignment, so right like a permanent assignment basically. Yeah, they like move you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, and what was like. During your first tour, especially there, you must have like were you were you frustrated with progress? Did you think what we were doing was kind of the right path over there? Did you like uh, did you butt heads with a lot of people, or what was your overall like impression of what how it went?
1: So the i if I had been so being in CTC, you know we CTC didn't doesn't uh, I can't say doesn't because I don't know what they think now, but at the time they didn't give a crap about the stability of Afghanistan the governance of the country the um any of the sort of setting up of the afghan state which is the federal government's been doing for a while now all we cared about was hunting al-qaeda terrorists that was our whole job so for that that was great that was, easy that, day the, yeah the, the pickings were good and that was a that was in the time frame where it was and you remember seeing it in the news maybe where you know every so many months it was like another al-qaeda number three has been killed and that was kind of what we did we we found all the you know, operational leadership and just tried to facilitate them being captured or taken off the battlefield.
0: Now, was this you, like, I, I know you don't have to go into great detail on this, but is this, like, are you going out of the base and you're doing missions, or are you kind of designating stuff, or can you talk about that and, a little uh,
1: bit? I was in a case officer job there, um, so our job was, we, yeah, we went off base a ton. If we we're, if you're doing your job right there, you're going off base a lot because there's, there's not you know, sources for Al-Qaeda hanging out on your base. (laughs) So you would, you'd go out with local, hopefully. Yeah. You'd go out with local uh, Afghans or you, or the um, other forces we had in the area. And you would just visit villages and towns and kind of put the word out. Hey, or here's money. We have lots of it. Right. So you
0: basically had, that was your, basically your way to entice people to give information. It was all cash, right? Yeah,
1: That's how the CIA works. I I mean, I think most people grasp that, but, there's no intelligence uh, without money exchanging hands for the most part.
0: Did you, did you ever feel like guys were trying to play you, like just to get cash and like giving you bullshit? Did, could you yeah. see through stuff like that? Was it hard to see through uh,
1: it? You can sometimes. It, sometimes it's super easy to see through it. It's fairly obvious. And you're Where, like, come on, man. Like, other times. How
0: how, how? how? would you know when a guy's would, like know, just they'd full just of shit? They just
1: show up and be like, oh, there is uh, important okay, the Al guy in this village. And you're like, really? Need to go there and be like, come on, man. And you'd, you'd, or you'd ask for, you know, there's just ways you ask for proof or you ask for details and it's hard to provide details when you're making a story. Just very vague, you know, kind of stuff. And just, yeah, like, or, or, oh, I can't uh, tell you now, but you know, if you give me this money, I can go find out more info. You know, some things are just obvious. Other times it would be, they'd string you along pretty good. You know, they might start with good information and then over time you're kind of like, I don't know, like this guy's probably stringing me along and that's kind of part of the game and. Uh, intelligence you just have to there's a lot of vetting that goes on of these sources you have to do a lot of um, uh, they call it operational testing yeah you, you give them tasks you may already know the answer to a question but you'll still ask it and say you see, want to see if he's right, lying right. See if they if they know if they have the access they say they do or if they know or if they're just straight up lying or you have to do a lot of that
0: did you uh, now you probably you must have had to rely a lot on you know your you know local national partners Terps yeah. stuff yes. like that. Other other d- maybe domestic intelligence agencies was like was there an Afghan domestic intelligence agency or anything like that? Yeah, the um,
1: National Directorate of Security is the Afghan Intel Service, and we everywhere in the world uh, that there is the CIA, which is I, I'm comfortable in saying about everywhere in the world um, you deal you have to deal with local intelligence. Right. It's silly not to. Now that some countries you can't because they don't you know if it, say um, like Cuba. For example, they don't want to talk to you. They have, want to have nothing to do with you. So obviously, if they don't want to talk to you, then you you can't talk to them. But
0: how was it working uh, in Afghanistan specifically with their local intelligence and like you know good. how, how are those guys?
1: That means there's no substitute for uh, local knowledge. You know, it, it's say you rolled into um, here, Las Vegas, and wanted to uh, know the lay of the land of this town. Well, the, the local cops are the first people you want to talk to. You know, they're the right. ones that know the where the good parts of town are where the bad parts of town are who's operating what criminal enterprises in the city and
0: <laughs> or the local cocktail waitresses one of those two, right <laughs> yeah those are also very good uh, and uh, so that worked out well that that's good i mean I, it must be hard especially with i mean i'm a, did you have any language training for no, pa- po- I didn't pashto have any, or I, I had very
1: to... rudimentary pashto like hello how's it going Yeah. Had, nice to meet you we had our Terps were uh, were and i'm sure still are it's completely invaluable uh, they couldn't operate there without them
0: and even yeah i know it it blows my mind like even if you even if you learn a language like a, a a scholastic level it's very it's you go to the place and you might understand half of what they're fucking talking about with all the slang and everything it's just a different world
1: yeah that is exactly true and the, those guys uh, they have done uh, like lion's share of the work you know cuz in a debri- in a debriefing they might be 2 3 hours long and they're sitting there with you the whole time.
0: Just. What are their thoughts? Like, where do the locals especially, like, what are their thoughts on Afghanistan, America's involvement? Do they think, like, we're helping? Um, you know, do they think we're hurting more than we're helping?
1: I mean, when I was there, hmm, I think they were, they, you know, I don't know. I think they just saw us as another passing, uh, another empire passing through. Basically. Yeah. Like, hey, let's just wait these guys out. Huh. They just are here for these Al-Qaeda guys. You know, maybe they'll give us a bunch of money. Um, we'll we'll kind of wait them out. I, I just saw them as waiting us out most of the time. And these,
0: uh, right? Uh, did did they? Did you get an impression like the the has thought like, hey, this is something that we have to, we got to handle this. You know, that whatever you do, you're not going to come in here and tell us how it's going to be. It's our oh, country.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, that that was definitely an issue. And they, they told you that all the time. They were not shy about letting you know, hey, you guys are, we got, we call it equities uh, in the agency. Every uh, so you have. If you're working in Afghanistan, your, your equities are means that you have to uh, keep in mind the uh, sensitivities and um, the needs of the locals. So that's that's part of your job. You've got to be like, hey, we, you know, headquarters might say, like, hey, do th- you know, we need you guys to do this broadly, you know, pacify this area or c- go in there and uh, try to put these people in power, encourage these people to be in control. And you're like, that's great. We appreciate that insight from, from headquarters. But, uh, that's not going to work because they don't, this village doesn't like that guy. Yeah. And that's all part of the, rolls into what we called equities is you had to kind of have a good grasp of what the locals need and want. And then you, you know, use that to get what you want and need.
0: What did the locals need and want? Was it different from every, was it different like from village to village, from region to region, or was it kind of like universal? You know, we want this, we want that. Um, they,
1: well, they, uh. The local officials always wanted money because that's how they ran things, you know. So U.S. currency? It, whatever.
0: Whatever? They didn't care? <laughs> you could pay
1: them U.S. dollars. It didn't... The dollars worked there. And uh, we generally paid in uh, uh, rupees, pa- uh, Pakistani rupees, actually. Oh, okay. But you could pay in Afghani dollars also. And I mean, it, that didn't really matter. It was more... No, no gold bars, though, huh? <laughs> no. I mean, if they would ask for it, I guess we could have like, provided it. But, right. They, so they want they needed money, they needed, um, some of it was influence, you know, they want to be seen as the, um, at the depending on when, depending on the uh, time frame, you know, and this is something as long as Afghanistan that we've been there, at certain times it was good to be seen as the friend of the Americans, other times maybe not, uh, so maybe it's just a matter of like them wanting to look important, so they'd say, oh, we come over here and have this meeting.
0: What, what did you think, what did you think of the Taliban in your time there as far as their capabilities? both both like tactical capabilities, like their war fighting capabilities, but also their influence, you know, like how did they use their influence and, and like how did they, how did they get a foothold on these people? Uh, is it all just threats or is it other?
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it was a lot of it was threats that are um, real threats. So we were, I was in, in a region where the, um, so the, the, what people think of as the Taliban is more of a southern Afghanistan phenomenon. And uh, where we were, it was uh, we've dealt more with the hakani network not really taliban they're like kind they're of they're more a, like
0: criminals right is yeah, what they're criminals calling and,
1: them I, I always saw them as an arm of the pakistani state kind of a um, uh, just a, an extension of pakistan they kind of did what pakistan wanted in afghanistan but also did their own a lot of their own uh, we called it anti coalition um activities so they just harass and Attack the Americans and Allied forces there, including the Afghan government, um, and they were they were a threat constantly. We I didn't CTC. We saw them as more of a something we had to deal with that wasn't our target set.
0: Who like, was the main target for you?
1: Al Qaeda senior leadership was our main target set in
0: in for Afghanistan for CTC. I see.
1: Yeah, so we we had to uh, um, we had to address the uh, Hakani problem and the Taliban problem, but we addressed it more in the sense of like. These guys are trying to kill us, so let's we'll do bare bones reporting on them to uh, keep them at arm's length or keep them at bay, but you know only in this uh, so much as to keep them out of the way to find these other guys. That was that's how I saw it anyway.
0: And how many tours did you end up doing in Afghanistan, and, and did you go to Iraq after that at all, or any other parts of the Middle East?
1: I did Afghanistan uh, one full PCS tour there, and then I did. Other, I went to other places in the Middle East, but uh, like TD wise, okay, nothing like um, long term. Uh, that was my main overseas.
0: Did you ever? Um, were you ever, especially in Afghanistan? Were you ever like, were you ever like in fear for your life? Like, uh, did you ever have some bad moments where you're like, dude, this is not good? <laughs>
1: you, well, no, nah, I mean, we would we would always get these reports of like, oh, there's 300 a connie fighter is like amassing outside your base (laughs) get ready (laughs) so you you might have your weapon like closer to your bed that night you know with your and you check your magazines and be like okay we're ready now you know this is good then they would lob rockets and stuff into the base and they would land within i don't think i we all woke up one night a rocket landed maybe 200 yards from where we slept and that's loud and oh yeah you know you wakes you up and you're like oh shit, we're gonna (laughs) die but then you I think we all just kind of got up and, like, looked around. <laughs> we're like, well, that, I, look, I think it's over, you know.
0: Did you have pretty good support as far as your defenses? Like, did you guys have access to CAS or any kind of air? Like,
1: yeah, if you um, – yes, if you were – if you came under direct attack, you you did. But, it, you know, there's a weight for that stuff. Yeah. Our main defense was uh, local Afghans, the at the base we any were,
0: any issues with that did you guys ever have any no nonsense we
1: had, no we were pretty lucky and that, that was happening a lot in Afghanistan but it never happened to us we would uh, they were our um, the Afghans we dealt with were really aggressive in making sure the people they used as uh, guns as hired guns basically were reliable so they would they would fire and hire based on because they didn't want to get killed either right <laughs> who,
0: who who is like so is that one of is that so you guys going through the afghan government for that and you're like hey listen we need we need the x many guys to carry out our mission we want you to provide them and give us a list of names or were you more were they more was the agency more involved uh
1: it was uh without saying a lot it was <laughs> we were we were fully involved in a certain sense. It wasn't really the Afghan government, right? More. We, we had ultimate responsibility for the guys protecting us. Um, so we got to pick and choose who we wanted. We didn't have to rely on the Afghan government.
0: So now you did this and how, how long did you, uh, how long did you work for the agency?
1: Um, seven years, I think. And
0: when did you, when did you leave?
1: Uh, 2011
0: and now you are a firefighter. That's right. So what? Another uh, pay cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so how, what, uh, why, what made you walk away from it um, and why? And what was your whole thoughts and, and why firefighting and how did that all, all kind of come about?
1: Uh, I, mainly family, I didn't want to be, not see my kids. I have a couple of kids. At the time I had two kids and uh, I was, I just, I could, I was getting a divorce and I w- if I would have stayed in the agency, I would have been gone, and I would never have seen him. And I was like, "Man, I can't do that." So I'm going to stay here in this in Missouri, and I got to have something to do.
0: What now? Had you so when you were you had moved? You had gone to Missouri while still working for the. the ag-
1: my last year, they let me go to grad school, so they um, I still was employed by the agency, but they said, "Yeah, you go to grad school." And. Uh, Finish it up, and while I was in grad school, I resigned.
0: And where'd you go? And you went to the University of Missouri, or no, Missouri you? State. Missouri State. Yeah. Could you pick anywhere you wanted to go, or just wherever you got uh, in? That was or? a
1: weird deal. Like no, it yeah, it's kind of be. It, you can apply. You sort of go on your own and then apply to these schools, and then you go to the agency and be like, hey, look, I got in this grad school. Can I go? And if it was, if you were gonna go to grad school to learn Russian or Chinese, they may actually pay for it for you. Mine. I did history, and they're like, we're not going to pay. For that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, that's fine. I'll just go on my GI own. Bill? or I use it? GI Bill. Again. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's great. I, I got love the, the GI bill. bill. Oh, I've gotten, I tell people I've gotten more from the government than it's gotten from me.
0: No, I do. I'm just telling you, I would never go to college. Do you think I'm going to pay 55 grand a year for college? <laughs> that There's no way. It's just not, it's not even a realistic to me.
1: Yeah, the GI Bill's a good, very good. That was the post-9/11 GI Bill.
0: Yeah, and now they have. In case you don't know, you know, if, if guys signing up, anybody who enlisted after 2013 now has the Forever GI Bill, so it never expires. Oh, so that just I didn't passed. Yeah, but, know that. but uh, I'm a, neither of us uh, qualify for that one. Huh. Uh, so, and uh, why why firefighting and how how'd that happen? Uh, my, so you're like in college, you you're out, and did you resign before you had the firefighting thing, and just say, yeah. you know what, I don't know what I'm gonna do, I'm just out, or?
1: I did, I, resi- I was like, it was basically at the same time. I was looking for something else to do while getting out, and got hired as a firefighter about the same time, and that which was also actually a long process, uh, about eight months to get hired. Uh, so in the process of getting hired, is when I, my resignation was finalized.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Yep. And you just did you just pick firefighting because you're like, well, you know, I like being outdoors. I like you know doing being around the dudes, you know.
1: Yeah, it was um, I just I've never I don't I can't do real work, you know. I don't like, <laughs> I've never had a real job in my entire Amen. life. Uh, Amen.
0: <laughs> so it was something that didn't Alicia. seem
1: like a real job. Right. That would be fun. So I was like, oh, this. Will did work. you
0: know anybody on the department, or did no, you just? No, uh... I did not know a soul. Did you I... think about being a cop ever? No, I didn't. No, never a cop. Um, you
1: know, no, I'm just not a law enforcement guy. I don't for whatever reason.
0: It looks awesome on TV, <laughs> but then I know for every minute of awesome cop stuff, there's got to be like hours of just drudgery. Uh, man,
1: there's lots of paperwork. Yeah. And just, I mean, there, are, and I'm in a, our town's not a giant town full of crime. And uh, even that, even so we have a lot of uh, meth and uh, opioids and stuff. And there, you can just see it in their faces. It's just like, Oh my God, another, another one, one. Another one of these calls, like just these calls.
0: No, I know, that's why after, that's why I never did a, You know after the military, you know, I never wanted to join the fire department because of that. It was just it was too much.
1: And I, I like the calls we we run on because generally we're sh- if we're showing up the fire department shows up they're there to help and people know that right and so they're like oh thank God
0: it's not like combative cute. and
1: right yeah. when <laughs> when cops show up it's generally because you did something wrong <laughs> and they're like, oh no the cops are here
0: yeah no doubt we never
1: get the oh no the fire department's here we usually get the oh thank God no that's odd. Here. yeah
0: everybody everybody loves seeing the fire department show up <laughs> yeah. uh what so you had to go through uh, fire academy I did yep that was great. How long was that?
1: uh ours is about four months
0: what's th- so you're like a fucking boot all over again <laughs> yep <laughs> I was, and
1: i was like 35 at the time yeah so i was like and everybody i was the oldest guy by like eight years
0: dude the inst- were the, the instructors had to like obviously they all knew your background were they probably were they i'm sure they were all very respectful oh, at yeah. least
1: and we have a well we're just a professional department so it's a the days of like firefighter hazing and all that stuff is, is more or less gone. So nobody nobody tied you up nude no, and fucking really... stuck
0: anything inside you or anything. I know guys <laughs> like to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Not that I can admit to.
0: So you're on the fire. That's good. So and you t- you were telling me you're um you an emergency. You're an EMTB. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you're uh, what are you, are you on the engine or ladder or how does what the I
1: my I was so you everybody starts as a firefighter. Just that's your job title. And uh, I was on an, I was on an engine for a while. Then I was on a truck. For for a while now i'm a rescue specialist so i've i trained in uh confined space rescue
0: and uh high, oh, you got the high ropes angle, and you got ropes. all that
1: stuff yep certified rope rescue guy oh
0: that's a good time
1: yeah so then i do water rescue and basically any rescue type thing we That's
0: know. just something you have to stay on top of with the training. I know that, especially the ropes, you know? I mean, I was a freaking rope guru, and, like, <laughs> right now, I'd probably, like, have to work to tie a oh, figure yeah. eight. You yeah. know, oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you go, lose it you quick. You go, like,
1: a month, and you're like, how do I do this?
0: I again? know. It's unbelievable.
1: You hope somebody else on your crew remembers. And we, we I'm lucky because we have a few guys that are climbers, so they're using it every
0: weekend. Yep. And
1: they remember all that stuff all the time. And it comes back to you eventually. You're like, oh, that's
0: right. Like, so now, so you're out. Uh, so now you're you're kind of like in. You're living. Are you rural, semi-rural, big, uh, kind of by the city, or what kind uh, of you're living situation? I live in
1: the city and is a municipal department, so we're a city department. Um, so you, fire running, you have like uh, wildland guys, and then they, you have structure guys. So right, that's how we kind of divide it up. And the wildland guys always make fun of the structure guys. And <laughs> the structure guys like, I don't know what the hell you guys do in the wildland. Like it's just a different. They're completely different. Uh, disciplines
0: and what do you now i know you're uh you're a hunter you like to hunt
1: i'm a new hunter i've not hunted for long my, oh, okay i come my uh my family didn't hunt uh growing up and but my wife's does and i you know, if you're gonna be part of somebody's family and you're a dude, and they're all going hunting, you can't be like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay back here with the ladies." <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do they? What do they? So they? So your wife's family is taking you out hunting? Oh yeah, they, yeah. They what have you, trained me up. What do they? What do know, they, know. Uh, what are you guys? What are you guys uh, killing?
1: I I consider myself now a just passing the novice stage of hunter. Uh, but w- Missouri is great for deer hunting. Um, there's turkey, uh, ducks. We go down to Mississippi a lot for duck hunting and uh, basically ducks, deer, and and uh, turkey and pigs do you uh do
0: you miss the uh do you miss the global excitement of the agency of the military do you ever do you ever miss it or are you over it
1: only occasionally but not i'm mostly over it you know, I did my part. Seeing
0: all the uh, so walking around shot show and seeing all the fucking tactical beards and stuff. <laughs> <is a laughs> I,
1: you know, I do miss a beard. I I had a beard. I just don't like shaving. Right. So like I like having a beard, but you can't have a beard as a firefighter, which makes me sad.
0: Yeah, that is too. But they would look way cooler with beards. Oh, they do know yeah. that, right? You I mean, can gr-
1: you can grow out the mustache. Yeah, the that's mustache. that. Could,
0: mustaches can go bad though. You know, yeah. they can get bad quick.
1: Right. There's like four people in history. That can have It's like Tom Selleck. And, That's you know, like right. Three That's other it. People. Yeah. I can't. And it's not me. I'm a child molester with a yeah. mustache.
0: Yeah. And you got. And plus, you're in your. Uh, you're a your, uh, ginger. So you probably. But your beard must be fucking pretty epic. You got oh, a big red beard and oh, shit. Yeah, like I'd Viking look, and all um, that.
1: Yeah. I would look like a. Uh, I used to, when I would roll around Afghanistan, I would, people thought I was Chechen, because I looked like a Chechen warlord. <laughs> You're like, I'll take that. Yeah. Go ahead and beard. assume that, mm-hmm. actually. I like to think I looked like the guy from Game of Thrones. Did you
0: uh, see, uh, it, did you see anybody, uh, did you happen to run into anybody you recognize at the uh, SHOT Show on day one yet? Because uh, um, I did, fucking I, You know, do. I
1: saw like Alex Hollings was the only even guy from Software bus, and there's like 10 of us there. I, it's so big.
0: It's massive.
1: Yeah, I didn't see a single soul. I remember either. the first
0: the first time I went, I clocked. I was on a mission to see stuff, and I clocked my iPhone just for the the tracker, you know. And the first day, I walked like twelve miles, and I saw like a quarter of it. It's yeah, that huge.
1: That's how I feel. I think I did, I didn't do that much today. I did about probably three miles.
0: What did anything jump out at you as we're as we're talking about the show as far as weapons? I know you sent me a few pictures of some yeah, sick guns. Yeah, you know,
1: man, I I'm uh, because I'm new to hunting and I don't competitively shoot. I saw some. Uh, a 6.5 millimeter um, Creedmoor uh, chambered rifles, which is some—it's a round, you know, for gun people. That's um, pretty awesome. It's a long distance round, and I saw. It up, so I kind of got sucked into looking at a bunch of guns that fire that wep- that bullet. And uh, there's some. There were some cool and some companies I never heard of. There's like a Utah-based uh, firearms company, uh, Christensen Arms, that I, I had never even heard
0: of. No, there's some sick shit out here. Did it like. Dudes are making, like, black powder rifles yeah. with, like, rail systems <laughs> and, like, aim points and shit on them. They're super cool.
1: Yeah, another thing I learned from hunting. So if you don't hunt and you you look at the – you're kind of trying to get into it and you're like, oh, I need to look at this. You can only hunt certain things certain times of the year, right? You right. Can, you can hunt deer from, you know, say, November 1st to 31st, whatever it is. And you can, and then you can, that also breaks down by weapons. So you can do archery a certain time. You can do, um, they call it alternative weapons or primitive weapons in Missouri. Like mm. all primitive weapons. So I have this vision of dudes out there with like it's Revolutionary War muskets. Gand damn right. Ruzzle loaders, you know? <laughs> Those muzzle loaders today are fantastic. They, they are. They're like AR-15s with but and they've got their rods attached to them. They have rails like uh, I mean, people The rifling is them.
0: perfect. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty sick. I did
1: look at those and I'm thinking of, of getting one of those.
0: Do you is there anything in cuz you know I know in some states that like have nuisance populations they don't have like time limits cuz like you know but, like the feral pig thing is a good example. Yeah. In Texas, you can go out and hunt pigs whenever you want.
1: Yeah, pigs are that way in Mississippi also and uh Missouri, they will occasionally open up uh, deer in the city to mm. people. They'll say, okay, we're going to. This park or certain park in the city, you can go kill deer.
0: Any any uh, animal rights people ever get all worked up about that?
1: It's the Ozarks man. Uh, I
0: I know. See, I'm so tainted because (laughs) of where I live. I just know the reaction it would be by the (laughs) by the hippies in California if that ever happened. Oh my God, they'd shut down. They'd storm the park.
1: You only got to hit one deer in your life, which I have done to to, with your car. Oh yeah, to realize like you you have to have hunting in America, or you're gonna be the the deer will run wild.
0: They they can destroy. A, 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 a huge car, just by hitting
1: it. Yeah, I I got bought the typical cliche post deployment vehicle. Got after my military, my first deployment. What was it? It was like a new Xterra, a Nissan Xterra. It was like twenty-eight grand or something. At the all time. blacked out, all murdered blacked, out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, this thing is awesome. I bought it like <laughs> I April. I am a bad motherfucker. Like April first, I bought it. In May first, I hit a deer with it and did like ten thousand dollars of damage to. i was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's, that's in Tennessee, and the Tennessee is a good example. They don't they limit their deer hunting there to the extent that the insurance company is like, man, we're not gonna keep paying for these. Uh, collisions because you guys aren't letting people hunt deer enough here, so they actually make the state pay for some of the damage because they don't let people. And I, you would think Tennessee they could go
0: crazy, but yeah, uh, yeah, you don't. There's some wacky laws out there, it's confusing,
1: yeah. But Missouri's pretty good, they, they don't, uh, nobody complains, everybody's hunts there. It's a lot of hunters,
0: right on. Um well, yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. I mean, are you, so it sounds like you're pretty content to like where you are and you know, like rock out in uh, Missouri for a while. Yeah, Keep okay. writing for, so you're going to, so you write for soft rep. I do. You're yep. doing that. And you, you know, what's, uh, what are some of the stuff, what are some of the things you enjoy like writing about? Like, do you, uh, you know, I've, I've seen you do topics kind of all over the place.
1: Yeah. what's whatever kind of hair gets in me. I I'll just, uh, watch the news and I'm kind of a news junkie. I turn on the the TV and listen to the talk radio and whatever kind of ideas pop into my head. and then I some, love it. Sometimes they're just off the wall, like <laughs> just random stuff.
0: Why, um, actually it, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I was wondering, so why your, your Twitter handle is at Frumentarius, right? At, or at SoftFru, soft fru, but yeah. you, and you go by Frumentarius. Yeah. Why did you pick Frumentarius?
1: Um, I, li- I liked the, uh, I didn't, I, at the time I was not clear to, um, come out uh, from under my cover, my CIA cover. So I couldn't write in true name. And then, uh, I liked, uh, in the, in the early America days, everybody wrote under these Roman names to whenever they put out pamphlets. So like, say you wanted to support the, uh, new constitution, you know, you'd write under a name of like Publius or whatever. No shit.
0: I didn't know that. Yep. That way they
1: didn't, that way you detached from your, from the author of the piece, any kind of political idea you had of them. Right. It was like Madison writing. A lot of people didn't like him for whatever reason, you know and uh, so he, they would write under these these roman aliases or pen names. It's like, "Oh, that's a cool idea." Okay. Huh? Yeah, so I researched it a little on frumentary. The frumentary were um wheat collectors that also gathered intel for the Roman Empire all across the empire. So no like, shit. That sounds pretty
0: good. <laughs> this this sounds fucking sweet. <laughs> well, uh, <who's> <laughs> what uh so went so when you so you weren't out from what did the agency do? Did they say like, "Okay, you have like you can't talk about anything for five years or how, they, what do you mean? So, the... well,
1: so you can, uh, so when you go, when you get hired, you, um, if you're undercover of the CA and everybody in the DO is generally, um, you are, uh, you can't say you work for them. Okay. So when they, uh, when you get out, you, at a certain point you can ask them, Hey, can I actually put on my resume that I worked for you guys? Like, it'd be nice. And can I say things about it? And, uh, for, depending on where you worked they may very well be like no you can't because, really you know say you worked a, like forever um i don't know that that's happened i it probably has mm. if you, so if you were um so say you had a very sensitive cover like you were a non-official cover like a commercial cover knock yeah and you worked against the chinese target for like 20 years um obviously if five years later you come out and we're like oh, i was working the ca the whole time well the, all that host country is gonna do is go back and Examine your entire life in their country and be like, oh, he met with these people on a regular basis. Now
0: you're putting those, those right. sources in danger and stuff like but
1: that. And CTC, you know, they, you're not. It's not as sensitive because the Al Qaeda is not going to run some background investigation of everything you ever did when you were there like they can't they just don't have the resources to do it so
0: how did you link up uh with uh, jack murphy and soft Rep to start like writing how did that kind of come about I,
1: I saw a uh looking for writers ad on the facebook i believe it was no kidding and i was like oh i can write you know i can i should try this you're gonna pay me to write stuff yeah so and i just applied and uh, jack called and he's like uh, you know i gotta vet you, you yeah i gotta make sure you're not some schmo that's lying to me and I was like, man, I wish I could help you, but I can't prove to you that I worked for the agency. I have no way to prove. For I can't. I can give you a phone number, and they'll. If you call it, they'll say, yeah, he worked for the State Department. Yep.
0: No, f- no <laughs> former IDs or anything like that. Yeah. Sensitive papers. I don't know. Like
1: uh, I just. He asked me. I think he asked me a bunch of questions that he, you know, was familiar with. And yeah. I answered them to his satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, um, like Jason and I, kind of vetted each other because we both. Uh, we both got hired at the same time.
0: Oh, that's a fellow soft writer James Powell. He yeah. was also a member of the uh, Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, so we kind of
1: cross-vetted.
0: Okay, um, good to go.
1: He, we were able to prove we both worked there. So. Well, now
0: you're gonna, you can write your big uh, SHOT Show review article. Yes, I can. About all this going on. <laughs> I, already,
1: I already started it
0: fucking damn you know what i'm so so like the yeah after getting downgraded to my room because of the goddamn Cox convention i'm like i'm i'm swearing war against the Cox corporation as soon as i get home
1: uh, I'm I am assuming you're staying here through the porn convention <laughs> starts yeah, yeah, later yeah. <laughs> <week>. by by <laughs> sheer
0: coincidence they scheduled the uh the a, the adult video porn convention right after the shot show convention so they kind of overlap a little bit I so I know
1: that that was a coincidence
0: there's a lot I have a feeling there's a lot of shot show vendors who maybe fibbed to their wives <laughs> and said the the convention's actually a few <laughs> days longer than it actually is just to hang out a little bit more but I don't know
1: I talked to my uh, Lyft driver on the way to the convention center today, and I, he was like, oh, do you have to pay to get in a shot? You know, can I just go to shot? That's what he asked me. I'm right. like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if you care or not. He's you,
0: like, you cannot, by the way.
1: Oh, okay. So well, he said for AVN, you can. You can just walk up to the front door. I mean, it still costs you money, but uh, they want outside people to show up. Yeah. If uh, for head. if
0: Yeah. it is. A couple of people hit me on Twitter and asked me actually about the shot show also. Mm-hmm. You actually have to like be related to the industry in some way, shape, or form, and then, like, you apply, and then you pay a fee, and then you get a pass is kind of yeah. how it works. Like, you can't just, like, walk in, though. I don't know why, but...
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't know Yeah, that. it
0: is kind of weird. You'd think they'd want, like, whoever, Joe Schmo to come look at their stuff, too. Well,
1: apparently this year they were also extremely tight with uh, badges with your badges
0: did they did they eyeball you oh
1: yeah i don't know if they thought somebody was gonna come in there and shoot it up and you
0: know you know i don't know if i haven't been over there yet so i can't affirm but i know uh, i wasn't here last year but i was here the two years before that and i tell you the airsoft industry is (laughs) fucking huge yeah Uh, if you don't know airsoft is uh it's basically like tack gear and they wear shit that looks like the shit but it's like paintball Yep. And there's this whole industry, and, and I've talked to a lot of X-Mill guys, you know, who who like doing it. You know, it's enjoyable to them. But the industry has, has gotten so huge. Like, some of these yeah. booths are, like, two stories high and shit.
1: I have had some experience with the airsoft, and mainly it was massacring my family. Uh, <laughs> take, <laughs> we take went the to, to the, That's exactly right. Me uh, and the next-door neighbor dad took our kids to an airsoft place and just annihilated them. Nah, that's a good time. It wasn't even they were scared to leave their base
0: well they, they have this whole like subculture though of tactical airsoft right. and it's dudes who like they 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 dress up as like a certain unit so they will be, like, the SEAL Team 6 airsofts crew, and they wear, like, patches oh and the fucking SEAL camo, you know what I mean? And they'll watch movies, and they get all the shit just right, and you're like, damn, this dude looks like a fucking operator. And he's, like, right. he's never even been in the military, right. but he looks and the shit, you know?
1: then there's me, who's in my jeans and my uh, T-shirt. With That's
0: the... the real operator kids, and okay? They give,
1: and they give you the... Uh... The factory gun that shoots like, around. Yeah. You know, where, where these guys that are pros have drums full of airsoft pellets. And it uh, just closes you down.
0: Um, well, as shit, as long as it got you here, Fru, um, I thought we'd go ahead and do a little bit of news. You want to hit it with me? Yeah,
1: let's
2: do it.
0: All right. Well, I think we should start off. And I want to go, go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and pat myself a little bit on the back because I think I, I actually think I predicted this one to <laughs> the day. Uh, the government shutdown. The big, the, 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 the fucking horrible government shutdown that was going to lead to mass executions and starvations. Uh, I said on Friday, I was like, this will be over in three days. And it was over in three days. Yes. I um, was relieved. That's I right. Relieved. That's right. I it was, was kind of bummed. I mean, I was already planning my insurrection, you know, I was going <laughs> to hold my block hostage and like start the, you know, sacrifices, all that stuff. But alas, it was not to be because the House passed a short term spending bill to reopen The government. And President Trump did say he would sign it. Uh, The Senate also voted to reopen the government after 81 senators broke the filibuster, by the way. And um, this measure will fund the federal government for another three weeks. So... It's not over, over yet, because in three weeks we're right back to where we are right now. Yeah, so
1: don't tear up your plans. Okay,
0: I can still. <laughs> so you're saying I should not. I can right. keep the Hesco barriers I've erected around my house and the barbed wire. All right, I'm gonna
1: do that. Just release your captives.
0: Uh, yeah. And uh, I did get a kind of a laugh about. You know, I also mentioned this last Friday when the, when the, when the, when the, when the shutdown was happening, and I noted how like a lot of times they really try to make a point the government. Like you remember when like, uh, and I and I remember when Obama was president and the government shutdown happened and they shut down all the monuments you know like even though like 85 percent of the government is still working that's what they want to hit you with because they know it's gonna like hurt you and uh, so i was doing this i was i was i talked about that and then over the weekend i see that afn was not going to show the nfl playoffs because of the government shutdown and i'm like get the get out of here we how many people do you need to make sure that AFN is streaming the NFL game? Yeah, I That's the Armed Forces were... Network. I should have explained that to people overseas.
1: See, I thought the AFN only played NASCAR anyway, so I, I didn't even think they played. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, A- AFN, If in, in case you didn't know, that's for, like, deployed soldiers, Armed Forces Network, and it's cool because they show, they show all the pay-per-view UFC, all the big boxing matches, all that's for free on AFN. And so that was like somebody in the Pentagon had a little fucking. They, oh, this, 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 this will hurt them. Let's do this, and that just annoyed the hell out of me, man. I'm well, like, come on.
1: You know what the danger of that was? How are the enlisted military members going to learn the dangers of uh, of uh, spousal abuse and all the other <laughs> things? Those commercials they put on there.
0: Yeah, they, the the uh, the military. Yeah, the, as Fru says, they make their own commercials. You know, and it's always against some stuff like you know. Don't forget to drink water. <laughs> don't, and one of them's literally don't, don't, be, sh- don't, don't shake your children. Don't shake your baby is one. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they have horrible acting to it. It's, yep. it's great. If you feel the
1: urge to beat your wife, <laughs> go talk to someone. Uh,
0: my sister in law, uh, she's in the Navy. She's like an 06, and she was actually in one of those AFN oh, commercials. Right. Yeah, it was great. Screen Actors Guild, Guild. That's right. She's a big deal. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so sadly, the government shutdown did not last, and it is now over until. Like I said, three weeks from now, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know if you saw this. This happened today. Did you hear about this uh, high school shooting in uh, yeah, Kentucky?
1: Yeah, I got some alerts on my phone, but that's about all I saw.
0: Yeah, basically we're looking at uh, it's two students killed, 17 other people were injured in a school shooting, and this is Marshall County High School in Benton, Kentucky. The suspect is a 15-year-old student, so one of these guys. Yep. Um, he was not identified but appear, apparently according to the New York Times he entered the school with a handgun and he will be charged with murder and attempted murder a 15-year-old girl died at the school and a 15-year-old boy later died at the hospital 14 people were shot You know this is you know this is this is tough for guys like us who are second amendment guys I don't know how you stop this, you know? Like, how do you... I've said for many years now, I don't think... I think in a country like ours where we have these beliefs where you can write to bear arms, I don't think... I think every once in a while you're going to have one of these. And it's kind of a collateral damage of that freedom. I don't know. What do you... you I, gotta,
1: I definitely don't know how to stop it. I don't think anyone does. Otherwise, it would have been stopped. Uh, especially when you, it's... I mean, just in, in Missouri, everyone has access to firearms. It's not... They're not hidden. They're not... Uh,
0: do you think it would help Taboo if the if or, the schools because you know, remember that was talked about after uh, after Sandy Hook they were talking about well maybe we should have some teachers trained or the know. principal or something.
1: My, I my kids uh, go to a Catholic school or, or one does now and um, I was <laughs> they I went to the school and they just were like hey what do we do like what's the they know my background and they're like we, right. come into the school and just tell us like what is our plan if we if this happens I was like man that is a good question because. There's there's some things you can do like so the mo- most successful ones in preventing them are um, the ones that lock doors for example like right. make it eat- hard to get in in the first place yes so when they show up and start banging on a front door and it's fairly obvious that they're going to do something bad you know they at least have to get into the building first so that's that's always to me that's always the first thing you can do is harden your facility and that's what I told them and the secretary wanted to keep a shotgun behind the desk <laughs> but the principal's like nah. <laughs> I don't know. But so they went through. It, it depends.
0: And, uh, I, I think it depends on that individual. If that secretary is like some tough old frontier woman in Missouri, I'd be like, Psh, keep oh, a shotgun. I, you know? I fully
1: would have trusted her. I had no problem with it. I was like, if my kids go here, I'm perfectly fine with you having a shotgun. And then they, um, so they have a system now where the, all the doors lock, all classroom doors lock. Right. Um, and that slows people down quite a bit. And then uh, there's a, at least since where I live, there's a, much quicker, so the law enforcement has completely changed how they approach these things now. Yeah, there, they used to. no more barricading. That's and waiting. Right. right. Now they just rush in.
0: That's what happened because that's what they did in Columbine, right. and that's how those guys were able to kill all those people because the cops sat outside and they they, yeah, they treated. Was, but ever since in the post Columbine era, that shit went out the window.
1: Yeah, the classic hostage uh standoff is no no longer a thing. They just rush right in. the The first patrol officers that arrive are going to be going straight to the shooter. That's the plan in our town anyway. And that's probably the best hope you have at
0: this point. I mean, it just it's it's it just sucks that this is like the world we live in where people take these rights that we have which so few countries have and they and it makes it hard for guys like us who are trying, you know, to de- to defend it when a kid, I don't know, no I'm sure it's his dad's handgun or somebody he knows his handgun. Obviously, if you're under 18, you can't own a handgun. Yeah. I think even in Kentucky, I don't know the gun laws, but I'm pretty comfortable saying that's probably the case. But they're gonna get these guns, so I don't know. I don't know what you do, and you know that wasn't the other. There was another. Uh, there was another school shooting actually earlier this week that I also flew under the radar because just on Monday, a 15-year-old girl in Texas was hospitalized after her 16-year-old classmate shot her. Huh. Luckily, uh, nobody fucking died in that one, but uh, it's a tough deal.
1: I didn't even hear about that. No,
0: I know they. They happen so much. You know, it's a. I don't know it's, it's it's a it's a brutal deal. Uh, I enjoyed this headline and I'm just gonna read this and I'm gonna get your reaction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can only imagine what this will be. So, so,
0: it's not too bad. We're gonna get to the gross stuff in a minute, but um, Saudi Arabia, they have, they're having a bit of a they're having a bit of a uh, scandal down there. Uh-huh. They've banned Botox from their camel beauty pageant. <laughs> that's right. they have they have they have a camel beauty pageant there. Let's just back up. The hottest... (laughs) Go ahead. I'm ready for your questions. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) I I didn't know there were camel beauty pageants.
0: I did not either. This is why I like doing the podcast, because I learned things about the world that I never knew. I feel like Um, I could win one of those. Well, let's hear from Chief Judge Fazwan Al-Mahdi. He says, the camel is a symbol of Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Uh, We used to preserve it out of necessity. Now we preserve it as a pastime. And... Um, this is the beginning of the month-long camel festival. Mm -hmm. It's a month fucking long. That's how much they like fucking camels in Saudi Arabia. Sure. It was relocated last year from the remote desert, but now it's going to the outskirts of the capital of of Saudi Arabia. Riyadh? Yeah. And apparently, there's been some dirty pool because guys are Botoxing their fucking camels to you know remove i mean i could use a little botox myself but the uh, guys are botoxing their camels to try to compete it's fucking high stakes through okay? Yeah, know,
1: you know i wish we could get back to the days when <laughs> you just liked the camel the way it looked
0: you know i would too I, now
1: i'm imagining this is i'm gonna get i'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt here and assume this is like a cattle show and they're calling it a beauty pageant the word choice seems poor I believe it's as a cattle show. It is the
0: New York Post, but uh, they make it sound like they're being judged purely for looks. And <laughs> I, I know where you're going. I'm not going to slander the good people of Saudi Arabia, but uh, there are, have been incidents with animals in st- suspicious parts of the world. So
1: well, I hope somebody's on the, on the <sighs> anti-objectifying of the camel <laughs> uh, program because that doesn't seem right.
0: Uh, you... Did you guys, uh, you heard about uh, the ma- Major League Baseball pitcher, Roy Halliday. He was the guy who crashed his uh, experimental aircraft into the water. I well, I mean, wasn't he high or drunk? Turns or? out he was high on a cocktail of morphine and sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. Dude, these fucking sleeping pills. And the more, like you were saying earlier, Fru, about like going to call after call with the drug overdoses like what is this in the country like yeah. i don't even understand the appeal of taking it like the downers i don't want to be down if i'm going to be taking drugs i want to be up you know <laughs> i don't want to be all down
1: you know i didn't understand it either until i get i tore a bicep tendon and, and was prescribed you know my doctor's great and he was like, he's a great doctor but he prescribed me like three or four months worth of uh, like hydrocodone it stopped hurting in like four days I <laughs> yeah. so like what I don't understand what you're giving me all this and I believe that's how it works is that people would take the pain pills get addicted to those those run out and then start shooting they start, heroin they start they move to other street forms of yeah. like the same drug and man it is terrible I, uh, I don't like to fly with uh, private citizen pilots because I don't really trust people but Especially if they're high on uh, whatever he was high
0: on. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Also, another. He was also had amphetamines in the system too. So there yeah. you go. That's and and that's the other thing. I was talking about this actually last week. You don't know how these drugs interact with each other. Right. You know, some one drug can make another one ten times fucking worse than it would be if you had just taken that.
1: I don't get why you would take a depressant and an am- amphetamine at the same time. It doesn't seem.
0: I, dude I don't know either But I do know like the kids these days Or they're all on Adderall So I don't know Maybe he just fucking cracks some Adderall Before I don't know. going on to his experimental plane It's a it was, shitty deal It oh. is a super shitty it is, deal Was it
1: just him that died?
0: Yeah it was just him wow, Yeah cool. he was flying that wacky plane And I guess that's Yeah experimental aircraft thats Those are those are two other words That I never <laughs> want to hear in a fucking right. sentence I'm not <laughs>
1: flying in an experimental aircraft with a camel Nope on. sure That's been Botoxed.
0: <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, oh, we had a uh, we had a <laughs> we had a crazy guy called CNN. He threatened to shoot up the place because of their fake news. Did you hear about oh, this no, guy? No. Holy yeah. crap. I swear. Dude. Let me read the story first, but I I want to ask you about because you know, like myself, you are watching all this craziness happen around us yeah. on a daily basis. But oh, uh, let's get this guy's name was Brandon Greesmer, uh, nineteen years old, and he called CNN twenty two times in two days. And he threatened a mass shooting of them. Uh, he lives with his parents, by the way. Right, <laughs> He's course. a grocery store worker and is being represented by a public defender, so your tax oh. money. And uh, he allegedly told a CNN operator, hey, fake news, I'm coming to gun you all down. Jeez. And in another one, he said, I'm coming for you, CNN. I'm smarter than you, more powerful than you. I have more guns than you, more manpower. Your cast is about to get gunned down in a matter of hours. Uh, bro, you're a fucking grocery store worker guy and you live with your mom and dad. Like, this, these, I don't know what's going on. Everybody's just getting worked up for you. you see it all the time. I don't fucking know how people make it through a day. <laughs> Is it just Trump or do you think this was happening? Do you think this would have happened with or without Trump? Uh, or do no, you think it's just no. accelerated?
1: I, well, I mean, I, I think the, partic- the I think the vitriol against CNN is a, a Trump phenomenon because he does it himself. You know, the, yes, the videos of him like body slamming the CNN, uh, the memes, avatar. <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean that doesn't help. With, if you're a crackpot and you're and someone's like, "Yeah, these guys suck," you're like, "Yeah, those guys do suck." And so right. Like, I mean, I could see it festering in that way. Not to put the blame on him for a crazy man's actions, but not, so in a way, yeah, I think that's contributing to it.
0: He's definitely helped bring out the crazy. Yes. That's for sure. I know you're not a big fan. Uh, He he drives me crazy. I I am a fan of some things, but he does make me despair in others. It's just... I I really think, honestly, the only thing he cares about is being talked about and his ratings. I think you're right. His yeah. ratings, like, and, and we're his ratings. You know, <laughs> us, the people, yeah. you know, him being talked about. Like, I think that's why he's going to the Davos thing huh. over in Europe. Yep. Like, he wa- he craves yeah. the approval of all these powerful people, even as he, like, bashes them nonstop. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a I weird fucking...
1: Right. I think you're right about that. And it's a... Yeah, it's almost like a... Uh, it's, well, it's not weird, because he came out of a reality TV world, and that's, you know, if... It's the old, if all publicity is good publicity. and
0: Yeah, look at the porn star. Story. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? <laughs> so the no. Story? Oh, God. So no, a, I, I know. I covered this in great detail on one of the other podcasts. But <laughs> the Stormy Daniels The Stormy Daniels. Well, first of all, dude, I don't know what she looks like now. I couldn't find any current pictures, but back in her day, she was... She was a dime. She yeah. was looking all right, <laughs> but uh, apparently he told Stormy Daniels after they banged, he was like, "Hey, I'll have to get you on the Apprentice. you will be great for ratings." <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, that's Pilo, he must that's have said talk. that. <laughs> he must he must have said that to thousands oh, of women."
1: Yeah. Oh, you're you're definitely gonna be on the next season.
0: Oh, girl, yeah, call you oh, yeah, I'll call you. Yeah, I got <laughs> my people it. will get a hold of you. Meanwhile, poor Melania, my girl. I won't, I won't fucking tolerate any bashing, Melania. Okay, oh, that's my sure. girl. But she apparently,
1: seems like a lovely woman.
0: She seems like a lovely woman, but uh, she can't be too happy with the concentories of his infidelity. But on the other hand, I mean, you had to know what you were fucking getting into, right? If yeah, you're Melania shouldn't Trump. Shouldn't
1: have been a surprise.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't have been. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, oh, this is good. How about this? Headline from the Courier and Press. This is uh, Evansville. Is that Indiana? I think I want there, to say I, so.
1: there is an Evansville in Indiana.
0: Uh, sex abuse suspect... Accused of giving child herpes. Oh,
1: that's awful.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's an awful, awful headline. Huber Morales, 24 years old, reportedly told an Evansville police detective another man used strong black magic against him to get him to molest the child who was less than 10 years old. See, that could happen. You know, you don't want people casting spells on you. Now you're diddling the fucking seven-year-old.
1: I can't, If I guess if I committed that crime, that would be one way to explain it myself. I it, Hopefully it, they will castrate him chemically or, or physically. I yeah. Well, that, I don't care either way.
0: It, you know, I'm, I, I say this every week, like, you know, as part of my podcast prep and people who listen to the podcast will know this. I do horrible Google searches for <laughs> just awful things, Right. And I'm blown away at all times the amount of dudes who get caught, like, on, in sex stings. Oh, it really? never fucking fails to blow my mind.
1: The, the thing is, though, imagine how long that has been happening uh, in the world. I know. And, and Only now can you catch people because we have technology and stuff.
0: Imagine in the past how many dudes were, like, traveling to go. Oh, yeah.
1: But they, I guess their methods were different. Then. now there, there was no internet. You know, now it's easy to lure people in.
0: Uh, this guy, this particular guy is charged with five counts of, five five counts of child molestation. Uh, it is Indiana, by the way. And he is accused of raping one child twice and admitted to it. And the child told investigators this man had inappropriately touched their genitals a lot of times. Also, the abuse was first reported when the victim was admitted to a local hospital with genital herpes. So, that's of course, they're going to ask a kid, how the fuck did you get genital herpes? That's awful. Uh, <laughs> well, this is, Morales allegedly claimed at first that the sexual abuse was a misunderstanding and gave an account slightly different from the child's. A doctor told police casual contact like Morales described he had done was not likely to inflict someone with herpes. <laughs> yeah, nice try, Morales. Was I just patted her on the back. The I don't know what happened. Yeah, It was
1: a wagon ride.
0: Oh, oh, and here, right at the buried at the bottom of the paragraph. Here you go. Morales told officers he was an undocumented immigrant. All right, thanks.
1: That's why you chose that story. Thanks, see?
0: Huber. No, you, I you're swear. trying to sneak it in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, I'm going, dude. I, I, I actually went just on the headline. <laughs> I swear to God, this time. But you're right. I do try to sneak those in quite a bit. I, I'm sure I have many, many others here. Um, here's now here's an interesting proposal listen to this philadelphia the city with the highest opioid death rate out of all major u.s cities they're going to introduce safe injection sites where people can shoot up drugs under medical supervision
2: that is the
1: european model of handling it too that's what they're doing there it's uh i believe it came out of the Save prostitution sites.
0: You're uh you're exactly right. Uh, according to the story in the Daily Beast says safe injection sites already exist in Canada and Europe, and they say they have saved lives and public fund and reduced the public disorder associated with drug use. Uh last year the number of people who died in Philadelphia due to opioids was quadruple that of the city's homicide rate. That is
1: crazy. I and I that I mean it is it sounds funny, but uh I We will routinely, the people that survive uh, overdoses generally in my limited experience are the ones that did it with friends. Yeah. they'll go into a coma or stop breathing. You know, basically makes you stop breathing. And they only survive because their buddy's like, damn it. Yeah. You know, my buddy's not breathing. I mean, I, you know
0: what? Like, I get that it's safer, but I, I, I'm i not comfortable right. with us paying. It. Yeah. It's, you're right. I don't, I can't, I can't get down with it to me. It's like, you're, you're kind of, it. you are encouraging it. You know, if you're basically saying, hey, you can come here and do your drugs. No problem. We'll have a taxpayer funded nurse and doctor on standby. I'm just like shaking my head like where where are we fucking going with all this?
1: Hey man, it's legalized. Uh, that's, that's the right. next
0: step. Who am I talking? I was I was hitting the vape pen in the lobby <laughs> of the fucking. You of all people should be for I, I,
1: the opium den coming back. Inside. I'm
0: not good with it. Well, all right, opium den. I, <laughs> uh, you know, now, now that you said those two words together, I, I kind of like. That's essentially re- <laughs> what
1: they're starting back up.
0: It is. Uh, again, sticking with the Daily Beast, they had a they had two good stories. Uh, this is the headline. Texas politician accused of grooming a grieving mother for sex and a Ponzi scheme. This is this is Texas State Senator Carlos Uresti. He managed to talk some chick out of nearly $900,000. She was his former client and a grieving mother by cultivating a sexual relationship with her. Um that's nice. That yeah, that's
1: uh wait, he convinced her to have sex with him and pay him money?
0: Yeah. He was a person. he was a personal injury lawyer, right? He represented this mother whose name is Denise Cantu and her children were killed in a twenty ten vehicle rollover accident, right? Uh, he helped her win the wrongful death suit and then became her confidant, advisor, her friend, and then it became sexual. So he defrauded her by persuading her to invest nearly nine hundred thousand dollar in some fucking fake-ass uh, Fugazi shell company called Four Winds that he set up, which went bankrupt in 2015. Um, she told the FBI last year that this guy, Uresti, sent her flirtatious text messages while he was still representing her in court. And later, after he was married, he allegedly sent her a picture of his penis <laughs> taken in a bathroom stall while shopping at the mall with his wife. <laughs> oh, no, dude.
1: Oh, boy. Wait, I'm just Ugh. waiting for the final. Is he an illegal immigrant? He, hold on, I'm here. looking. I'm <laughs> looking.
0: He is actually an illegal. No, he's not an illegal immigrant. <laughs> that's a
1: bold move, though. Sending Dude, a, from you're the right. mall with your wife.
0: Yeah, like, hey, honey, I just got to go take a leak really quick. That's I'll be back, be and then you real fi-. quick. Dude, I'm like. I, uh,
1: Hopefully he silenced his phone so it didn't make that shutter sound.
0: Dude,
1: I, take the picture. What are you doing in there?
0: <laughs> know, right. Dude, what is it? So I, you know, I've I've covered the the whole the guys behaving badly thing, you know, quite in oh, quite yeah. extensive detail. As a matter of the funnier the, the more detail and funnier the story, the more I cover it. <laughs> of course, but I can't get past all these dudes with the dick pics. I'm like, dude, you're just like flushing your fucking life down the drain. Especially these, you're like a public right. figure.
1: That's the kicker right there. Is it the famous politicians and at least they should have the sense to only do it from the neck down so, no that's not me yeah
0: i you know, i want no i gotta get my face like that one dude from texas who did the he did the bottom angle like so the angle was like oh, the bottom of his dick up to his face and i'm like what the fuck are you doing guy
1: you want to make sure he got his grundle in the picture.
0: Uh, yeah his fupa is fucking <laughs> hanging over his it's it wasn't a good look i mean it wasn't it was not attractive.
1: That's that's terrible. That's not a good look. If you're gonna do the dick pic, you should get the right angle.
0: You could, you got to fluff, I, dude. I need all kinds of help with that. Yeah, I've said you got to find the right lighting. And yes.
1: Make sure the uh, perspective is co- is correct.
0: Uh, yeah. Apple CEO Tim Cook, he's coming out against social media networks. This is something I'm also fascinated with. Hmm. He said um, he's concerned by the risk that technology poses to kids, and he actually, as he was speaking at Harlow College in Essex, England last week. Tim Cook said there should be limits on the use of technology in schools and said he does not want his young nephew using social media. He says, Cook, I don't believe in overuse of technology. I'm not a person that says we've achieved success if you're using it all the time. I do not subscribe to that at all. Well, that's kind of funny because he was speaking at the school as it was adopting Apple's Everyone Can Code program in which every student got an iPad. (laughs) So, you he know just they
1: doesn't want social media on those iPads, that's d- what he's saying.
0: You know, I but I am I am fast. I think the social media, I mean, you're an active user of social yeah. media as am I. Um, I but I have to I have to step back, you know, because I recognize sometimes I'm like, dude, you're getting sucked in.
1: Yeah, it's addictive. And then for kids, you know,
0: they never knew anything different. Right. Like at least we know, hey, 10 years ago this didn't exist. I remember that time. But right. you have a kid who's yeah. 10 now, they don't know anything different.
1: And and you like to think a uh, mature adult doesn't seek affirmation in social media but chill kids of course they do that's adults what... adults do <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do. let's be honest. for sure right but you when i get when someone tells me for instance oh you're an ugly bastard or oh you are dumb for making that comment i'm like okay i get it like he doesn't agree with me but kids are like what yeah i am ugly and dumb
0: yeah and it's and they're seeking you know they've they've done all these studies where they say like in faith they've admitted it they're like yeah we figured out to to get a reaction out of you, your brain is sending dopamine because you've got an, a reaction, you got a thumbs up or a like on your post, and right. it's like, and we want that. We keep seeking it.
1: No, I, hey, I love when my stuff gets liked and shared, <laughs> but then, you know, I don't go crying into my cereal in the morning if it doesn't.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I've, I've kind of like, you know, I do, every once in a while, I do like to throw a bomb into somebody's <laughs> comments and just like walk away, like especially like Hillary Clinton, I'll do that, <laughs> but uh, I'm not... I, the people who sit there all fucking day, going back and forth, like for oh, days, yeah. and I'm like, dude.
1: I've got an unwritten rule that I'll go like two to, I'll go one to two to three back and forths. Yeah, if with someone that's really wanting to dog me, you know. But then I'm just like, I, what am I doing? Like, right. Why and am it, I wasting my time here? And
0: it it's it can't you can't fucking possibly make any coherent arguments through a 240 character limit it's 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 ludicrous to me Mm -hmm. but so much of the fucking modern life is predicated on all these social half the news that i read is like just a roundup of tweets that people (laughs) have sent out you know here was the reaction on twitter and that's the whole article
1: that's why that's why i like to convey all my ideas and memes (laughs) that's a much simpler way
0: (laughs) i do too but dude at least you have some street cred you know (laughs) like i really feel like we should have some kind of like test for you to be able to use Twitter and tweet out your stupid shit, like you had to have like proved yourself that, like, not a crazy person at one point. I don't know. I'm still working well, on no, this. We
1: don't even have tests to be able to have babies or travel out <laughs> of the country. I know. It's so great. I, have, I don't foresee that coming.
0: Yeah. And uh, along with that, uh, along with the social media stuff, you know, a new report put numbers to these warnings because they're, they're saying uh, a sudden and large drop in adolescents' happiness with the proliferation of smartphones. And it found that the more time, the more hours that teens, especially, spend in front of screens, the less satisfied they are. Uh, now, th- I like this article. Listen to these stats. This is It's hard to believe how fast. This is what fascinates me is how fast this has taken hold. Listen to this statistic. The percentage of teenagers who had smartphones jumped from 37% in 2012. It was only 37% had a smartphone as little as four fucking years ago. Mm. In 2012, it's 73% to 2015, and now it's at 90% at the end of 2016. 90% of teenagers have smartphones. And uh, they're just fucking, you know, I talked to some of my, I've seen it with some of my friends' kids. You know, they're like just on it all the fucking time. Uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and and some. so there are thoughts that, okay, maybe it's like a correlation, not a causation that if you're like, say, a, um, a lonely person, you will, by virtue of the fact that you can spend time on your phone, uh, you will do that because you're a lonely person. So they're not – I don't know that they're 100% sure it's causing them to be a lonely person. I think they're still trying to figure that out. But it, it does make sense that if you already are someone who's antisocial or I don't right. know how you classify it, then you are going to spend more time on your phone just because by virtue of that's where you want to be instead of talking <laughs> to your – classmate
0: well i wonder you know and i wonder as our generation who knew what it was like before all this stuff as we age and kind of go away i wonder if i wonder if young kids who are born now and grow up with it i wonder if they will be lonely at all or if maybe that maybe they'll be happy with just like i got my phone i got my internet connection i don't need fucking anybody else
1: yeah and is isn't really uh I don't know. It depends on what they're doing, I guess. If you're so, if you're communicating on Facebook or uh, Twitter, or whatever. I don't even know what other apps the young people use. Snapchat, bro. <laughs> right. I don't get.
0: It. I don't get on any of those. I don't <laughs> want anything to do with it.
1: If you are communicating on those, some people are arguing. Well, that's not. Lo- you're not lonely because you are communicating. You're just communicating in this new
0: form. Right. You know. So I don't know. I, but then, where does that all lead? Are we all just going to be strapped to the couch with our virtual reality headset and the fucking sex <laughs> robots and be the like drugs? Those movies, right? Yeah, we're gonna have drugs going in the arm.
1: Wally and. Uh, <laughs> The one with the where everybody was like strapped into chairs and you lived in a virtual world. Yeah. Your, your body just sat indoors all day.
0: And then, even if you don't want to do that in the future, like say in the future, maybe I'm going to rebel, right? I'm going to be like, that's it. No more smarter. I'm going to go out in the world and there's not going to be anybody <laughs> to talk to because everybody's at home.
1: Yep. Well, it's a.
0: I don't know. I'm fascinated by it.
1: It's a weird, but then, and then, and then some people will be like, oh, you're all being just alarmist. Dramatic, like people, right? When the phone came out and the TV, everybody was like, we know, no, we're not sitting around the fire anymore and talking. Now we just watch the TV. So I don't, but I look now and like, that's probably true. Like, I don't think we're better off spending hours watching the TV. Back in the old days, you would sit around and tell stories and talk because you couldn't stare at a screen. Right. So maybe that was better. I think it may have been.
0: It might have been. I don't know. It's yeah. it's just it's cra- like and but our lives have changed so radically in such a short time. That's what kills me, you know. We went, you know, thousands of years of evolution. <laughs> right. With the with the uh you know, moving from agriculture to industry, that took thousands and thousands yep. of years. And yet this digital transformation has been almost instantaneous.
1: I like to tell people when I started college, I had never sent an email <laughs> when I started as a freshman.
0: Yeah, but I believe it. Didn't, it just didn't exist. Um. Well, here's some inter- <laughs> Oh, West Point. All right, here you go. Ready for this headline? I'm very happy for them. I'm going to preface this. Same-sex, active-duty couple marries at West Point. That's right. Two dudes. <laughs> Two dudes. Two army captains who met at West Point returned there to be married in what is believed to be the first... Same-sex marriage of active-duty personnel at the storied New York Military Academy. They do this at the Naval Academy, do you know? Do you know any Naval Academy Uh, guys? I
1: I do know lots of Naval Academy guys. I had not heard of that happening.
0: These are both uh, Apache helicopter pilots stationed at Fort Bliss. Uh, Captains Daniel Hall and Vincent Franchino, 30 and 26 years old. And there's some nice pictures of them all coming out. Hey, you know what? I I can't get into it, but fucking whatever makes you happy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to march in your parade, but if you want to be married, fucking, you want to go blow dudes, that's fine with me. I have no problem with it. You know, whatever makes you happy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I can't add to that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, How about this one? This was, you know, this is rare. These stories I usually get out of the British tabloids, but this headline, Russian hunter fatally shot by his own dog, was in the New York Times.
1: Holy crap.
0: Yeah, this guy, they said fucking be careful with your weapons, people. This dude, apparently, here's what he did. Um, He had he had propped his gun up. Okay, the gun was on his knee, butt down, with the barrel pointed at his stomach.
1: I'm already, I'm already, I'm already on the... Yeah. <laughs> and
0: the guy reaches over while he's in that position to open his car doors, and his dog's like bounded out of the car, all excited, and one of their fucking hooves—hoof? Is that? I'm a <laughs> paw, paw. Dogs don't have paws, hooves. Yeah, paw. One of the paws fucking jumped right on the trigger of his <clears throat> double-barreled T.O.Z.-34 shotgun.
1: That is a terrible story. And fucking story. blew him away. That is a terrible story, dude. What? How shitty must your luck be? When your favorite dog.
0: Don't fucking point a gun at yourself no oh, matter the circumstances yeah. in any and you'll 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 always be fine, I promise you. Mm-hmm. I love I don't love Do you, have you ever seen any real bad firearms? Oh,
1: yeah. I was about to say we well, yeah. People go, go uh, ahead. people clean their weapons when they're loaded. Uh, that's that's not a good idea. <laughs> oh, while fuck. they're cleaning them, they point them at body parts. While, Is, well are you talking
0: military, civilian, firehouse? I'm talking civilian. Okay.
1: But these are calls I've gone on uh, where guys have one guy was a black powder uh revolver and uh he was cleaning it and thought he needed to pull the hammer back to clean no. under the hammer and it mean, it like scorched his leg put a, a ball into his shin and then also scorched him where the black powder uh I guess it shoot out shot out a flame and tore, but yeah people do dumb and I had another woman in a Walmart parking lot that was uh, had stolen her roommate's pistol, <laughs> no. was trying to scratch off the serial number, shot herself through the boob, went in the boob one direction and came out the other straight through her boob.
0: Wow. Why was she, And why was she trying to scratch off the serial she number? Had, she had stolen it. Yeah, there she you go. She was
1: selling it at the Walmart parking <laughs> lot. Well,
0: well, you know, we don't normally do too many of these stories, but continuing on our fucking morons with guns beat here, uh, a 21-year-old man shot himself dead at his own birthday party just moments after he accidentally shot and killed his best friend while playing with the gun. So, Zachary Woodcock... Oh, oh boy.
1: This this sounds like a made-up story.
0: No, this is... No, this is Daily Mail, okay? (laughs) I will fight to the death for the Daily Mail's honor. I love the the British tabloids. Uh, No, this is true, though. I actually did Google it, and it is a true story. Mm -hmm. This dude... Zachary Woodcock was celebrating his birthday when he pulled out a gun and he accidentally fucking shot his best friend, uh, Richard Skillman. And when he realized what he had done, he walked outside and he fucking shot himself. He killed himself.:
1: He was uh, bereft of, of What: any, the of f- any emotion. Uh, you know, I don't... How did he... I would like to know how he shot accidentally his friend. Did he just say, ha ah, this will be funny? Well,
0: so that's this is the problem. You know, when you, whenever you read these stories, there's a tremendous lack of detail about the firearms part because the media doesn't know shit about guns. Right,
1: how did that happen?
0: But they just said, and, they, and all they say is, they say that Woodcock and a few friends went back to his bedroom during the party and Woodcock pulled out a handgun. So he's sitting there holding it. The weapon accidentally, quote unquote, went off and struck Skillman in the chest. Of course, there are, there are no accidental discharges anymore.
1: Only if you have a very, very hot barrel. That's right. That's and what it's a I've cook-off. said. The
0: only true accidental discharge is a cook off. And I've talked and about I that before. I doubt he
1: had cooked off, shot enough rounds. He out did of that not. He did not. <laughs> to have a hot barrel that. And I don't even um, know if a pistol can do it
0: they said um, they said both men were each armed with multiple shots, so these dudes are like twenty one year old dudes just walking around with like tons of guns, apparently hmm. and uh, they did say fire, they, they did say alcohol was around, so i'm sure i 'm sure that played a part in it, um, yeah, and it 's not just civilians you know i 've seen some wacky fucking stuff happen in the uh, foreign service business <laughs> with some uh so, There's a
1: reason there are uh, like, wow. barrels in front of every facility in, in, a, in a war zone. I mean in the military you can't walk inside with a loaded weapon That's right in a war zone because there was, it's too many people that have shot themselves and others
0: yeah there was a there was actually an RSO uh, a regional security officer in the and he he fucking he thought the clearing barrel was a test firing barrel Sure so he walked he pulled his gun out it was the one in front of the range he fucking pulls his gun out. And he just fucking shoots the clearing barrel. And everybody's like, what the fuck? And the guy looks around like he's like, even he knew he fucked up, I guess. He drops the mag, and he goes to shoot it again. And some contractors stopped him. They're like, stop what you're doing right now, idiot.
1: That's There's a reason why you have to have clearing barrels in the military. Yeah,
0: they're not test firing barrels. Clearing barrels. You do not shoot your weapon into it to make sure that it's empty, you morons.
1: Honestly, yeah, and there's tons of stories people draw and shoot themselves drawing out of their holsters. All
0: the time. Yep. Uh, this is cool. Senator Tammy Duckworth, you're familiar with him. Or her, I should say. Uh, she's a Democrat out of Illinois.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, only 10 members of Congress have given birth in office, while Senator Tammy Duckworth is about to be one of them. All right, all right. She's experiencing her second child a few weeks after she turns 50. Holy crap! Wow, the birth will make Duckworth the nation's first senator to have a baby while serving in the Senate. So there's a little bit of history made. All right. That's crazy though. Having a baby at fifty—that's got to be fucking rough.
1: That is. That seems like a yeah. That seems medically dangerous.
0: Yeah, she's. uh, If you don't know, Tammy Duckworth is a veteran. She was. uh, She's a retired lieutenant colonel. She, of course, is the one who uh, lost both of her legs when her Black Hawk was shot down in Iraq in 2004, and she was a congressman. And then a sender and apparently her and her husband tried a bunch of fertilization methods over a period of years, and then they finally had one kid, and now they're about to have a second one at age 50 years old. Well, for her. I mean, they have all kinds of crazy complications though when the woman's, you know, when the woman gets to a certain age. No, I mean, don't I believe
1: it... so. Yeah, the risk for certain things goes up after 40, I think it
0: is. Yeah, uh, it's pretty crazy uh the hawaii governor is in a little bit of trouble you had the whole we, you as we saw the ballistic missile fiasco You're right <laughs> what the fuck that was awesome that was pretty crazy and i gave props that, did you see the video of the dad like lowering his kid into the sewage system i was <laughs> no. like yeah dude he had, he had taken the manhole cover off and he was lowering his children and i'm like that's that fucking is, squared away that though. is
1: amazing that uh is awesome.
0: well, of course the big the problem was is that the push went out and then they knew it was fake instantly but they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. So people are, imagine, people are like freaking out. Did you see some of those stories? Moms yeah. are sending texts to their kids like, I uh, love yeah, you.
1: Yeah, right. I'll see you on the other side.
0: Well, uh, Governor David, his last name is I-G-E. Is that Ige? I Ige? Know. I don't know. I don't know Governor David Ige, I'll go with that. He reportedly knew that the alert was a mistake two minutes after the alert was sent, but he confessed... He did not get back to correct it because he forgot what his Twitter password was, <laughs> and he could not tell the public as a
1: result. We regret to inform you, you were all incinerated because uh, I forgot my Twitter <laughs> password.
0: Hey, hey, Gov! You know, there's this thing called fucking radio, TV. I'm, there are other outlets besides Twitter, moron. That maybe you probably have people with connections to the local TV and the local radio.
1: Can you imagine that? If was he? Re- I bet he was like sweating and like, oh fuck. Oh, Trying all the combinations of... <laughs> is it a uh, exclamation point at the end or a star?
0: No, 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 it. no. its Is it I'm the gov <laughs> you, uh, exclamation point or is it I'm the gov question mark? Yeah. I'm the gov 48. Oh, dude. Yeah. What a fucking buffoon. And then, you know, that whole thing, everybody was like screaming about Trump. And I'm like, well, he didn't have anything to do with it. And besides, <laughs> right. isn't it a good thing that he didn't know? Right. Like, you don't want Trump like being like, hey, imagine Hawaii. They, they call Trump. He's on the golf course. And they're like... Like, hey, dude, we just got a domestic? We just got a ballistic Hawaii. missile alert. You know, Trump's gonna be like, "We'll fucking launch everything you have right now, glass them." You know, we can't lose Hawaii. Okay, we can't yeah. lose Hawaii. We
1: can't lose Hawaii. That's that would have been my first thought.
0: Uh, have you? Are you familiar with this new Tide Pod challenge? Sure, yeah, I've tried that. Have you it's seen? Awesome. Uh, have you tried it? Is it <laughs> yeah, good? Oh, good definitely. eating? Oh, definitely
1: <laughs> clean <laughs> mouth. Very clean mouth.
0: Dude, honestly, we're going we we're, we're going backwards. You yeah. know that, right? Right. I mean, you know, I thought I was
1: shocked when there was the uh, vodka tampon phenomenon Mm, right you know that was i thought that was shocking this one seems to be another step uh, below i mean at least
0: vodka is known right you're getting drunk
1: i can see the allure what are you getting out of the tide (laughs) punch
0: well apparently now so now the poor ceo is roped into this and he can't like he wants to do obviously do come out and say listen you fucking idiots he can't do that because he so he has to like be like uh, he's being interviewed and he's like we're taking measures to end <laughs> the dangerous tide pod challenge <laughs> I'm like what are you gonna find what, are they gonna put it like on the 21 and over shelf or something just don't make them look so
1: appetizing they look uh, they look delicious
0: In case you didn't know what this is you're not you don't have a bunch of morons in your life uh, this is a, the tide pod challenge is a social media fueled trend in which teenagers eat single load laundry detergent packets. they just eat them mm-hmm. um, they say, that this can cause seizures, respiratory arrest, and even death. So the CEO David Taylor said it's dangerous and extremely concerning. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm
1: happy to report I've never run on a Tide Pod <laughs> Challenge victim.
0: Uh, have you? What was your, What was your like? Have you had... Some, I'm sure you must have... Every firefighter's had the wacky calls. Like, yeah. you know, stuff stuck in people's asses. Uh, you you got any uh, we, what, that uh, jumped we to mind?
1: Uh, we do not go to, to uh, things stuck in orifices because it's not life-threatening. We only go to life-threatening stuff. The, the most recent... Crazy so do
0: you guys... I'm going to interrupt you on that. So do you guys have like the, the AMR ambulance kind of thing who goes to like the...
1: Yeah, the ambulance will go to a call like that, but the fire department won't. Okay. We go if it's... Uh, you go if it's like ALS danger, or something. Right of, right, of losing your life. So the last one it's not wasn't that crazy. A guy got high on meth and climbed a tree, what you know, as you do, <laughs> you got a lot of energy. You're going to want to do
0: stuff on meth. Right. I'll tell you that right
1: now. But he got like 15 or 20 feet into the tree and then the, and then crashed. Just the meth wore off and he lodged a, a leg, I don't know how. He's lucky. He lodged a leg into like the V shape of the tree. And and then just proceeded to like dangle like a like a dummy <laughs> from the tree, so we had to go pull him down from this tree all high. And oh god, I mean, that's you know.
0: You know that's the thing though, man. That's what I, I see, I see like the other day. I'm I mean you know you know where I live in Ob. You know San Diego. You went to Buds out there, but you know I'm sitting there on the pier and I'm looking and I see like some bum falls out. Right, guy sitting on a seawall. He just fucking he keels over. The fucking <laughs> response is unbelievable. <laughs> Did you like leap into two, action? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, and all these people are trying to help, and I'm like, don't help. <laughs> I'm like the a-hole shouting. No. <laughs> just let him be. <laughs> let him die. But no, I, I just couldn't believe the response. It's like two engines fucking mm-hmm. showing up and then the civilian ambulance is coming in, and I'm like, all for this motherfucker.
1: I don't I wouldn't I don't know why I would have got two engines. But we get a lot of it's uh... con
0: it's it's constant. The, the, any response now is so over the top mm-hmm. and like huge, like one drunk guy causing yeah. like a little bit of a scene and like Fucking 15 San Diego PD cop cars show up.
1: <laughs> we don't, yeah, we get a lot of drunks. because The problem, here's the problem. People, so they get drunk, they uh, they like to fall asleep. Yeah. Like, as you do. Yeah. Under a tree, you know, somewhere nice. Sounds nice. But people are driving by and think, oh, dead person yeah. under that tree. Right. That guy looks dead. So they call it in, and it generally comes to us as dead guy, possibly de- dead on the street, right? And you instantly know, like that guy's drunk, or, right? Or high. Or and something. you
0: guys probably have your frequent flyers. Yes. I imagine oh, you're yeah. the same characters. You see, you're like, ah, oh, there's yeah. Jim again. Oh, we we have a we have a dude uh, as
1: a aside, a dude in my town with. No arms. He's missing both arms. They they're cut off around the bicep, like area. amputated, or I, they didn't grow. I, I, no, I think they grew, and he I think they were amputated in a wreck or something. But he is an <laughs> angry bastard, and he's a, a, a drunk angry bastard. But so he likes to fight, mm. but he has no arms, so mm. he, he kicks a lot. But you know, <laughs> he's a frequent flyer. But you get that call. It's ang- I can't remember his name right now. It's like Angry Tim. That's probably you probably shouldn't say it anyway. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> armless Tim is down there in downtown again. Good
0: old Armless Tim. I love that guy. Head butting everybody. <laughs> yeah. uh, you heard about? Have you been following this cal the uh, the crazy fucking California house with all these kids that were chained in it yes. in Paris? It's mm-hmm. fucking. I covered this on Friday. Well, sounds similar to my house. Yeah. To be <laughs> well, you know this. You know the, the just saying about the times we live in. Uh, reports of the parents' interest in reality tv has surfaced apparently um the family had pitched their story to the reality tv networks and trying to get on uh louise turpin the mom her brother told inside edition that his sister was a fan of the reality show kate plus eight obviously she's got 13 fucking kids if that's the story i still want to see dna tests on all these kids I don't believe, I'm, I'm assuming there was some horrible sexual abuse involved here because oh. I always assume that. that could be. And I'm just wondering if all these kids were actually products of uh, the mom and dad, if you know what I'm saying. Or if maybe old dad with his weirdo right. fucking page boy haircut was fucking, you know, Ugh. coming into the room at night and doing that's, a little diddling.
1: That's awful. Yeah. Uh, that, that was an awful story.
0: It's fucking terrible. I, and I was, I was just marveling at the mind control you'd have to have to keep, one of those fucks was 29 years old, the poor bastard. Jeez. 20 fucking nine.
1: Yeah, man and uh, again we see it you don't know what's happening in some people's houses until you go in there and you're just like what the hell is happening in
0: here dude I say it every week I'm like you don't know what people are doing behind closed oh, doors yeah. you just fucking don't it's frightening oh, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it is it is crazy what else do we have Uh, oh you've probably been on one of these calls uh, fruit there's uh, they're coming out with now hip airbags to save senior citizens lives no shit <laughs> oh, okay. for the hip so they're like Ultra cool airbags? Like hipster yeah. airbags? <laughs> yeah, no, not that kind of hip. <laughs> oh, oh, I So you. one in four seniors who break their hips die within a year. So you've yeah. seen that. Once you break that bone, you, you're bedridden, and then you just go downhill. Once you stop moving as an old person, it's it's only a matter of time. So that's why a broken hip is so serious. You can't stop moving. you got to get out there. Uh, so there's a product coming out of France, and... Uh, they kind of they kind of uh, started this uh, airbag technology. Well, there's a new one, a new company in America, and it's being tested out on a group of seniors in, where is this, Carmichael? This is up in Northern California. And so what it is, it's like a, basically an airbag for your hip. It's called active protection, right? Hmm. So you wear like, it's like a smart belt. So you're wearing this belt around your waist, and I guess they sense it that, it, when you're about to fall, and these fucking airbags <laughs> pop out of your sides. It's, wow! It's a. I think it's a good idea <laughs> if it works, right? If, if it can deploy quickly.
1: I don't know how it would sense the fall. I guess there's some sort of change in the movement or something. Yeah. Um, pretty, yeah. Exactly. Like a tight sensor.
0: That's right. Um. They said there's still some kinks to work out, obviously. And the wearable airbag, though, the company says, is a life-saving step uh, towards preventing injuries. They said that the active production belt is said to lessen the impact of a fall by 90%, and they hope to have it available sometime next year. So that's good. And make a lot of money. I'm telling you, the, 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 I'm so glad we live in this time with the medical technology. Oh, I yeah. mean, a fucking hundred years ago, yeah. you know, you got a little bit of a cough and you were dead. Yes, <laughs> that
1: is correct. And But even so, it is still, I mean, it is shocking how barbaric it is still. Like the fact that to like this tendon, to repair it, they're just like, no, I'm going to drill, it, I'm going to cut through your skin, grab it. What'd you do it's, again? I just, when you, I just playing softball, nothing, uh. nothing crazy, <laughs> but they drill never a play hole. softball. Know, especially when you're over 40, okay. They drill a hole through the bone and pull it through the bone and like tie it in a knot. And then just like duct tape it. I mean, it's like
0: Fucking gnarly.
1: You're just like, is this really what we do in 2018? He's like, yep. That's Dude, you
0: know it what? It. Or, or if you, if you don't have a strong stomach, you do not want to see an orthopedic surgery. Oh yeah. I was, before I was in the military, I was a medical device. I sold medical devices huh. and including stuff to rebuild hip, and knees you walk in on a fucking guy getting a total hip replacement dude it's yeah. like it's like it looks like they're fucking like uh, it looks like they're tearing apart a fucking 700 pound tuna or mm-hmm. something like everything's flayed open and mm-hmm. and, the, and the surgeon nothing's gentle the surgeons and they're like just bad like sledgehammering something over and over you're like jesus christ
1: yeah they say that the you know the stockier dudes in med school are the ones that end up going to ortho because it's a lot of you gotta it's a muscle work
0: you do Uh, and they are not gentle. And that's why fucking you're so sore after, I mean, the, technology has gotten way better, but you're still going to be sore because the fucking orthopedic surgeon is in there. Like pound, literally pounding a rod into your hip with a sledgehammer.
1: Yeah. I woke up from general anesthesia and the first thing I said was it hurts.
0: (laughs) How? So did (laughs) they, they didn't put, they put you all the way out for that. Yeah. No kidding. All the way under. How long did it take? Uh, Surgery? Like an hour. That's not too bad. Yeah, it was pretty easy because it
1: didn't it didn't roll up. You know, your the tendon keeps the bicep muscle from uh right. stretched out. To the bone, and it didn't roll up. Oh, okay. I think my bicep was was so strong. Probably because you're so yeah. fucking jacked, dude. Probably <laughs> if it just was like, oh, I'm not gonna move. I'm gonna That's stay right, right here.
0: <laughs> uh, well, as we talk about medical technology, of course, we're still going through this flu. Have you seen the flu stats? I have. Pretty crazy.
1: The flu stats.
0: Have you? Oh yeah. Did you get it this year? No. Three of our four kids did though. Dude. It was awesome. Dude, you're fucking lucky because uh this has been this this year it's been killing around a hundred people per week
1: yeah it's a nasty one
0: they say that there were seven hundred and fifty nine flu deaths between seven october and twenty third December and these are like some a lot of them are like little kids
1: yeah kids and old people t- get hit hard by that stuff
0: yeah this is more than double the number of flu deaths from the same period last year when there were only three hundred and twenty two reported fatalities and like as i'm reading this story i'm thinking like i'm literally in the worst fucking place in the country to avoid flu (laughs) i'm in i'm in the fucking giant hotel
1: right where people are sitting uh, around uh, at their uh, casinos this scumbags degenerates walking through here (laughs) (laughs) i'm one of yeah
0: i know uh, and uh, and finishing on the health beat, uh, San Diego declared an end to the hepatitis A emergency. That's been broken out that I've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, they said um, it's officially over. They say no new cases of the liver damaging virus were reported in the last month, and there have been no new deaths since October. So, San Diego's, it looks like the fucking them uh, bleaching the sidewalks is is having an effect. That's what they were doing. They were going around spraying like a bleach solution on all the sidewalks. It was disgusting.
1: I definitely don't need any more liver damage, so I'm glad they were bleaching everything. No kidding.
0: Uh, Neil Diamond, your guy. (laughs) Yeah, my favorite. He's retiring from touring. Oh, no. He's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. What? Fucking horrible. You know he's 77?
1: I honestly thought he was dead.
0: He's fucking still, uh, apparently, he had a tour going. He's sure. canceling his tour dates in Australia and New Zealand for March. He was on his 50th anniversary tour. Jesus. Um, that's very sad. i um, yeah, that is I'm, Parkinson's is rough. Dude, you know what? I talk about that all the time. That, to me, has to be one of the worst fucking things. Because, I mean, even with other diseases, at least you remember your family. Parkinson's and you, you know, you get to see your mom or your grandfather or whoever. You just get to see them disappear yeah. mentally. They don't know who you are. Huh. They don't know where they are. I
1: didn't realize that was part of it.
0: It is. You know, Parkinson's disease, you just start like, you know, it's, uh, you just, people start having all kinds of problems and pretty soon they just go tour. But yeah, so uh, Neil Diamond is, um, he said he's going to continue to write and all that, but mm, you yeah, know, we'll see about that. Mm. Did you hear about this, that Danish, that weirdo Danish guy with the submarine and the journalist? I did. Did you fucking read about this Cut guy?
1: Cut her get a cutter in half or decapitate her or something? Yeah,
0: you're on it. Well, there's some other, there's been some like more details released. This is the inventor, Peter Madsen. He's accused by the Danish authorities of binding and abusing the journalist Kim Wall on board his homemade submarine before killing her. And this is the stuff that didn't come out yet. Uh, He has given shifting explanations for what happened to Ms. Wall. And her torso was found on a beach south of the city on August 21st. So he did admit to dismembering her body. But he said that she had died in an accident.
1: Right, a dismembering accident.
0: Yeah, right. In In the indictment, however, prosecutors say he brought a saw... Sharpened screwdrivers, straps, strips, and pipes to the submarine before the trip. Holy shit. Man. And abused her by hitting her, stabbed her, and cut her, and he killed her after which he dismembered her body. Oh, and he weighed it down shit before he threw. So this Dude, lord. Holy shit. Listen, the police said earlier that Ms. Wall had been stabbed repeatedly, including in her genitals. Jesus Christ. God, God. damn.
1: First of all. Let's add it to the list. Do not go on an experimental aircraft <laughs> and do not go on a homemade submarine with a weird dude.
0: If any guy wants to show you his homemade submarine, uh, just, just fucking just hard away. pass. Right.
1: Hard. You know what? I'm going to think about it. Hard, hard pass. Probably not, though.
0: Um, Here's one that just came up. You know, uh, a Marine has died on Monday in a parachute accident okay. in Arizona. You know, the Marine has a, a jump course out there now yeah. that was in Coolidge. Uh, It was, was at yeah, it was in Coolidge. And they the service has immediately suspended all double bag static line parachuting operations. This was a static line. Huh. I wonder if it was a static line square or yeah, what. One?
1: That's weird. I guess he didn't pull his reserve, maybe? Did they say he didn't activate his reserve?
0: It's still, it's so, it just happened. So um, it just happened yesterday. So this is all preliminary. But all we know is that they. Suspended these static line parachuting things, so something something must have happened because you know if you don't know, a static line is a cord that is attached from one end of your parachute to the aircraft. So when you leave the plane, the cord pulls your parachute out. It's not free fall; you're not pulling anything. I bet they usually looking, it's pretty brainless. You know, yeah, while well,
1: the rigging is, I bet what they're looking at first because you can pack those things. Uh, unef- ineffectively.
0: Yeah, and also with the static lines, too, because you're jumping at such a lower altitude, for those of you who don't know, you have a few seconds. If your shit has a catastrophic failure your static line and it doesn't open, you've got about, like, three seconds to be sharp enough to pull that reserve. Yeah because uh, you're jumping from like a thousand feet up and if you got a couple seconds and if you don't you're just going to splat right into the ground that sucks yeah totally shitty um we you know we have these parachute accidents there was a I, there was a navy guy not too long a year or two ago a seal out in san diego got killed in a parachute yeah, they accident
1: did a, they did a whole i think a safety stand down or at least a big review of uh, seal parachuting operations because there was three or four one of them was the leapfrogs that burned in that's uh, that's right rehearsing for a demonstration
0: yep uh, dude, this, this story Okay Apparently in India We got a couple Time for a few more uh, Indian villagers Were so excited By a frozen meteor That crashed into A farmer's field Saturday That a bunch of people Gathered pieces of the rock And stashed them In a refrigerator Right As you do Right They say that the yellow-brown meteor weighed around 20 pounds, had a transparent surface, and resembled ice. And the the impact created a one-foot-deep hole in the field, right? Eventually, a team of scientists from the India Meteorological Department was assembled and collected samples of the object at the site. Unfortunately, the meteor turned out to be frozen feces. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the the news was a setback Wait. for the souvenir collectors.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was there a giant cow in space that shit this out and it, it crashed so, to Earth?
0: Okay, so I th- I was skeptical of this at first. This is San Francisco Gate. It's not a. It's a real <laughs> newspaper. You know, I love the fake newspapers. It's like you know the Denver <laughs> right. the Denver Guardian. <laughs> and you're like, that's not real. That's some dude. <laughs> uh well anyway i thought you know what i i was under the impression that airplanes did not jettison human waste Uh, out but apparently uh, it is a problem in india because i don't think you i don't think it's you're allowed to in america and most countries but um there was they they only ordered in 2016 of december the indian government they only ordered they they said look you can't Empty your toilet tanks in midair anymore. So that, that was the thing. Oh, that's uh, the logical. fine is a, a draconian seven hundred and eighty-two dollars, fifty thousand rupees. <laughs> and so, uh, apparently, this isn't the first time this has happened in India. In twenty sixteen, a woman in India also suffered a severe head injury after she was hit by a frozen football-sized chunk of frozen feces. Good lord! So you gotta be fucking watch out, man. What's up there?
1: That's if that's if you get. Getting killed by a piece of falling shit from the sky is as bad as your dog you, you standing on your gun and shooting you in the stomach.
0: It's just, yeah, it was. It's just, it was just it's just bound your time to happen. To go, right? That's right, dude. You know, I'm a fad. This was. Go read the story. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna spend too much time in it. it's a New York Times story. But I'm, this pops up every few years. I'm fascinated by this shit. Somehow, an old lady with neither a ticket or passport named Marilyn Hartman slipped into Chicago O'Hare International Airport sneaked onto a British Airways flight and traveled all the way to London before she was finally apprehended by customs officials. Good work. I'm, I, like, you know, this, this, these, yeah, like I said, these crop up every once in a while, these crazy people, that's their thing. They yeah. like to sneak on the airplanes. Like,
1: catch me uh, if you can.
0: I mean, she's 66, you know, and she's, she's an old white lady. I mean, it's probably, I know they're profiling a little bit, even if they say they don't. But apparently she walked right back, because they reviewed the videotape, right? Apparently, she walked right past two TSA administration officers while they were checking the boarding passage of other passengers. She just fucking pulled her hair down and walked right by him.
1: See, I have visions of her running down the <laughs> <No>. runway, <laughs> jumping into the wheel well as it's taken off and, like, climbing up into the...
0: No, dude. Um, what else do we have? Oh, the guy who played Barney the Dinosaur. I mean, my kid, when my kid was young, he was into Barney. You know, we watched it all the time. Well, the guy who played Barney the Dinosaur now runs a tantric sex business. Yes, of course, he does. Yeah, he started his practice. Current passage. I'm trying to read this. <laughs> he started his current practice in 2004, and his name is David Joyner. Now, a full session with tantric massage specialist David lasts three to four hours and costs 350 dollars. No, For that price. Reasonable. For that price, the female clients—those are the only kind he accepts, by sure, the way. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. What you don't, you don't, you don't rub on dudes, bro. <laughs> uh, you can expect to receive a ritual bath, right. chakra balancing, okay. and a massage. Also on the menu are mind-blowing orgasms.
1: Yes, that'll cost you extra.
0: It, it does, and <laughs> the. Uh, Joiner has apparently 30 clients and he unblocks the energy of two to four women a week. (laughs) Oh, right. Is this legal? Apparently. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all legal. Now, some, some of the other tantric, uh, practitioners are saying, you know what, this is, this is obviously a scam. You know, you're not, you're supposed to not, this isn't the way it's supposed to. (laughs) this isn't not in the tantric handbook. Oh no, dude. Um, he does say, David did say for clients, um, this is, this this high, the, you know, to get the full measure of the awareness, you have to have penetrative, ideally unprotected sex, mm, according to him, think, which, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> just I mean, going to. Makes sense. He said condoms will block the energy, right, which I, is why he prefers not right, to use them.
1: I think I've used that <laughs> line myself once or twice. I don't want to block my tantric energy.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. Well, it's fucking David, man. That's a good move. I, you know what? The... It, I kind of, like, if you assign yourself as a guru of any kind, it's fucking amazing what you can get people to do. Right. Like, I, you know, David Koresh is, you know, I always remember him from Waco. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh.
0: But, but the, again, the guy at the, the Paris house, you know, with the 13 kids for fucking decades. He had these mind control.
1: I think I need to make up
0: You gr- could be a guru. guru title for myself. Oh, right? dude, you would totally be. You could totally be a guru. I wonder
1: if he uses his Barney experience in his sales pitch, or if he just leaves that off.
0: um yeah i don't know it could be well the furry thing is big you know so maybe the furries
1: maybe he's wearing that suit while he's (laughs) doing mind-blowing tantric orgasms
0: uh in san andreas california a sex offender was arrested for masturbating at the public library so
1: uh where else are you gonna do
0: it yeah that's he. i mean what do you want the guy to do (laughs) not not (laughs) masturbate at the public library (laughs) give me a break and he is, uh, yeah, like I said, he's a prior sex offender. Uh, I'm just going through some stories quickly now uh, to finish strong. Uh, your guy, your your girl, Chelsea Manning, is running for senator. How about that?
1: I don't know why she's my girl. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that. That doesn't seem fair.
0: Now, interestingly enough, so... Uh, I, I don't get on me about the fucking pronouns, okay? Again,
1: I don't. Uh, I don't know how to use those properly. I, I, I feel like I make a mistake. I
0: don't. actually said last. I was like, I will consider pronouns on a case by case basis <laughs> to be polite. But like, if I, especially if I see somebody in person, right. if it's a huge dude who has just started to be a woman, my mind is saying he. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't help it's it. It's asking too much for us to it understand is. that at this rate. It is at this point. Uh, well, the the interesting thing they've pointed out now, Manning, is. Technically, still on active duty, you know.
1: Okay, while I did not know that. I
0: did not know that either because I thought I thought it was a done deal. But apparently, um, the Army confirmed that as of September 2017, Manning was remaining an active duty soldier, albeit on excess leave and in a non-pay status while his appeal of a general court-martial for violating the Espionage Act and other orders is underway. So while this... Appeal process works out. Manning must remain on active duty status while the appeals process continues. Now, you're not allowed, uh, apparently, to run for office by the Department of Defense while serving in an active duty capacity. That's something else I did not know.
1: We should be able to put comma and while violating the Espionage Act
0: at the end of that sentence. You know, I, I'm, I, I, I know you have a much more informed take on the whole Manning and this, uh, this other chick, the, the reality winner who mm-hmm. went to the NSA. What are your, What's your take on Because honestly, at first, I was on the fence. Mm. I was like, you know what? I, I, I felt like they were throwing the book at this dude. And, I mean, I kind of wanted to know that the NSA was spying on all of us, and that's the whistle that Manning blew. Right. So I was torn about it at first. Now, her incessant, annoying fucking behavior <laughs> with the emojis online has turned me against her. But, <laughs> well, that's but, a good but, reason. But I know you feel... I know you have a... I know you're no, not a well, fan.
1: Well, because I just am I I don't... Uh, there are... Uh, there's channels to do whistleblowing in a legal way, so I don't think either one of them did that. So that my thing just comes down to the law... They broke the law. So if you can't make special cases because you don't agree with, because you agree with what they were exposing, right? So there are ways to do it legally and by the book, and they, neither of them chose to do now, it.
0: Now, do you think? Do you think that ever? Be, like, I, I already know the answer is going to be like, oh well, you know, they wouldn't pay attention. They wouldn't. They were stonewalling me, so uh, I had to do you, it. If you whistleblow? I don't know. Yeah.
1: I, I, that, I can't answer that honestly because I've never and I don't gone know those, little... those channels. I've never tried to do it. Right, but. I mean, from when I was there, I felt I feel confident. If I had seen some, if I knew some dude that was stealing money, right. like some case officer, you know, he's pocketing money, and I felt like oh, I need to report this guy. You know? Right. I feel like if I went and reported something like that up my chain of command, it would have been dealt with in an appropriate way. I don't. I mean, I'd, it shows if you can't trust that someone somewhere is going to address uh, what you consider an abuse of power or whatever, then you get yeah. bigger problems.
0: Yeah, people. and it was. But the other fucking thing, like I was telling. I was telling Jack, I would love for one reporter to ask who's paying for all this, because, <laughs> you know, Jack Murphy was saying that Manning lives in this really nice high rise in Manhattan. Oh, really? I didn't and has like around the clock security. Oh. Huh, and, and, and and goes to all and and now she she's a big intelligence genius too, even though she was a fucking boot in the military and was like on her first tour, yeah. but she's doing all these speeches at college where. You know, she's the big like crypto he's fucking like, linguist she's like edward snowden now. yeah exactly genius master right master of privacy rights and yeah. <laughs> yeah edward snowden wants you to use the app from russia did you download <laughs> oh, did you no, download did, did. did you download snowden's uh, app his recommendation was good enough for me uh, bill cosby <laughs> is performing oh, he's boy. still performing uh, this fucking him guy the, him and oj are they talk, on tour together talk about giving zero fucks <laughs> This guy has performed... Bill Cosby has performed in public for the first time uh, telling stories and honoring old friends. This is in Philadelphia. He's 80 years old. He took the stage on Monday night. And uh, he wore a gray hoodie printed with the phrase, Hello, friend. (laughs) That's his thing. He likes to say that. And... uh, Did it say in parentheses, Would you like a pill or (laughs) anything? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, everybody uh, laughed and applauded along with his jokes. So, uh, is this the... I guess he's on the road to rehab he's, already. This is
1: the usual uh, way to go. He comes oh, right back.
0: Dude. Pretend like it never happened. Uh, you know, I, maybe maybe in the future, like, all of us will be, like, kind of accused of sex assault for 15 minutes. <laughs> maybe that's actually what's that's supposed to happen. Andy Warhol's yeah. old saying. You know? Uh, what else happened? Oh, we had this... No, uh, oh, we had this crazy... Oh, I'm going to do this one. So, this is in... What school is this in? Or uh oh this is in canada dude i hate how they don't put this shit on on the first that? it should be on the first paragraph of the story you said that
1: like you weren't sure if that was a real country canada Canada is
0: that is that a thing is still a canada uh the star tribune is this oh this is minnesota yes yeah, well it's it like is, canada it is minnesota okay this is a St. Catherine University student, and she is accused of attempting to burn down the school in retaliation for U.S. policy in the Middle East. Uh, Seems makes, extreme. Makes sense to me. 19-year-old Tanuza Hassan allegedly set eight fires in seven buildings on campus last week. Damn. And she later told authorities that her intention was to burn the school to the ground and to hurt people. She wasn't why much did, around. Why, they just come right out and say it. She didn't even try to like a, do a bullshit excuse. <laughs> like, it was an accident? I don't know. I feel
1: isolated from being online too much.
0: Oh, and then she said, reportedly told investigators, you guys are lucky that I don't know how to build a bomb because I would have done that. <laughs> like fucking, like her lawyers are like in the back like, yes, is making a throat cutting motion. Like, shut the fuck up. That is an angry teenager. Yeah, she said she started the fires because she's been reading about the U.S. military destroying schools in Iraq and Afghanistan, and she uh, felt that she should do that exact same thing.
1: Okay, now it makes sense.
0: And she well, told authorities okay. that her efforts were not as effective as, as she, she would have liked them to be.
1: Well, she would have just learned to build some bombs.
0: Yeah, you know, well, they're, I think they are looking for people to do that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, there. keep in mind. Uh, did you see the video of this dude who bit into a phone and the battery blew up? <laughs> no. <laughs> You guys got to go see this. I don't know
1: where you're finding all this stuff. Uh, uh,
0: Don't ask. (laughs) Don't fucking ask. Actually, a lot of times, you know what? People from Twitter, uh, they message me all the time. Stories. Uh Uh, This was in the Taiwan news, and you can go to gizmodo.com, which I check out their tech site, and they have the security camera footage. This was in China, right? So the dude picks up the phone and he wants, and he, and he, he wanted to test the battery by biting into it you know sure. like you do like a gold bar or something
1: sure. i do it all the time
0: and the fucking phone blew up in his face <laughs> so, so it, it's great video uh i uh, encourage you to go watch it um
1: these this all these stories are making me feel bad about myself no these and are good humanity
0: no they they're great uh this well th- these last two we're going to go right to the big finish they're going to make you feel even worse <laughs> uh headline for this one woman filmed herself having sex with her dog in depraved act involving whipped cream. All right? You tracking on that? Wait, the depraved act is involving the dog, right? (laughs) Not Not the whipped cream. (laughs) Yeah. Priorities here. That is weird. (laughs) Let's rejiggle that sentence. Uh, This woman was named Susie Cairn, and this is in... Livingstone, Scott- Livingston Scotland and here's, a, here's just a picture so you know what we're dealing with. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, she's right. a bigger bigger woman but mm-hmm. she's, looks pleasant, yeah, you know? she looks pleasant you know. She's pretty. Uh, yes it was on her mobile phone and it was found by police along with a huge cache of indecent images of children being sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Although details were not given in court through it is understood that the act with the dog involved the use of whipped cream. <laughs>
1: I mean, I'm able to put two and two together here. Yeah, I think you think what's going on? Yeah. Um, I'm aware of the peanut butter trick.
0: Yeah. the uh, Oh, here you go. Prosecutor Jim Robertson told the sheriff that the movie appeared to be self-generated involving the accused and her pet dog. And also there were many... Yeah, they she had a bunch of porn, dog yeah. porn, dog <laughs> on woman porn. Yeah.
1: Is there dog on woman porn? Uh yes. What wow. yeah,
0: there is. And again, my Google searches uh, I'm not <laughs> proud. I'm not proud of it, you know. I'm just doing what you the people cry out for. <laughs> and finally for our big finish through, uh, we covered this gentleman when this first happened and the case draws us a close and because it's in the news, I figure what the hell we'll do it. Uh the guy who had been squirting his semen on unsuspecting women has been doing it for decades and it finally landed the dude in state prison okay. this is michael kevin morris and he's 50 fucking nine years old i know wait a minute try what, to get this through your head. is, is this a euphemism no
1: wording his semen what this is, is he, literal is this in the act of ejaculating no
0: it is not he he ej- I'll, I'll get to that here's what happened <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> please do this is, is very complicated. um so 59 years old michael kevin morris right he uh, pled no contest to indecent assault for three of his most recent offenses within the past two years. Okay. And he got um, three to six years in state prison. The judge estimated Morris has been committing this crime for more than 40 years. Un- until 2006, no law classified semen throwing as a sexual offense. Sure. It was in 1993, for instance, old fucking Morris here, he was charged with only simple assault for squirting semen from a perforated condom onto a woman inside a Warren County supermarket. He's also thrown it from small squirt bottles.
1: It's like Silence of the Lambs.
0: By pleading, but he pled no contest, so he does not admit that he actually squirted the no, semen. I never do either. No, who would? <laughs> that seems like a poor booth. Uh, one woman was so traumatized she is afraid to ride public transportation to this day. Well, you should always be afraid to ride public uh, transportation. You've seen those people uh, on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, Morris, in his defense, he said he would have gone to counseling if he could have afforded it. Hmm. He studied English literature, but dropped out. Sure. Uh, prosecutions against him have stalled in the past when women could not prove that the liquid squirted was semen, uh. but victims in the recent case had the fluid tested and the DNA matched Morris. And... <laughs> Morris says he turns to semen squirting out of frustration when he's fired from a job. So he's been that fired can happen. a lot of times. He's been fired. <laughs> uh, uh, shockingly, it's, it points out in the story, he is a lifetime bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, none, none of those squirts fucking, got him a wife. Dude, that's it. For,
1: that's, hey, I don't
0: that's appreciate all being I got brought down for you. to
1: this level of humanity. <laughs> I feel like I need a shower.
0: Honestly, now. I, I pretty much took it easy on you. I, I, I left out some really horrible Was shit. this is
1: your PG-rated show. <laughs> that's
0: right. Um, for, thanks for coming on, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, it's good hanging out with you. And, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. I know yeah, people yeah. have been shouting at me to get you on forever and I'm <laughs> glad we finally got to do it.
1: Yeah. I appreciate you having me. It was a good time.
0: Uh, just for you people, uh, just a quick program note. I don't think I'm going to do a podcast now this Friday because we did such a good one just now. But, uh, if something crazy happens, I don't know, maybe I'll jump on for the Saturday morning show, but, uh, I kind of need a little breakthrough. I, I don't think I've missed a podcast in like a year. No,
1: take a vacation. Yeah, take you a little just, vacation. You deserve it.
0: Yeah, probably right. right. more stories <laughs>
1: left when you come back.
0: All right, man. You ready to get out of here and go fucking blow a yeah, few paychecks on the uh, blackjack table? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. All right, everybody. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter, um, at BKActual. Follow Frumentarius on Twitter, at SoftFru. That's S-O-F-F-R-U, right? And, Two Fs? And then a one at the end. And then a ones, yeah. at softfru one. At SoftFru1. That's right. All right, go ahead and follow through. um, And uh, yeah, listen, you're going to want to get in on that while we insult each other over the internet, which is always a good time. Uh, Once more, hey, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. That's it from Vegas and the Shot Show, and I'll see you next week.